0: Genuine talk on the radio. This is Marcus Paul in the Morning. No
1: jab, no way. Exclusive pub band plan for anti-vaxxers. Tell you something, mate.
2: This COVID is a thing that keeps giving. And I think they're just pumping it for as much as they
1: can because while that's happening, they're just doing what they want to do. It's a distraction, Jeff.
0: You're absolutely right. We're bringing you all the news and the views. Marcus Paul in the Morning. First, with Marcus Paul. Call Marcus now, 13 12
1: program. On this Tuesday, it is January 19, 2021. Great to have you company. All the news and your views. Marcus Paul here. Give me a call. thirteen twelve sixty-nine 69 is the telephone number. If you want to send a text, you can do that. 0458 049 209 and emails directly here to the studio. MP in the morning at 2SM supernetwork.com. That's MP in the morning at 2SM supernetwork.com. Plenty of news around, so give us a call. Let me know what's on your mind this morning. I see the bitter spat between international tennis stars and the Australian Open officials continued yesterday as now a sixth person connected to the tournament tested positive to coronavirus. I'll give you some details on that soon. And we'll do a follow-up as well on yesterday's big story, no jab, no way. Well, it would appear that hospitality heavyweights have backed a proposal that could see so-called anti-vaxxers. I mean, that's the word being used by the Telegraph, not me, but so-called anti-vaxxers who don't get a COVID jab banned from certain venues. But they also believe this is hospitality heavyweights. They all, whoever they are, we'll find out soon, but they also believe that it should only be rolled out once everyone has a chance to get the vaccine. All right, so we'll follow up on those stories for you. on this tuesday morning marcus paul here 13 12 69 is the telephone number now the federal government is being urged to provide additional financial support to the tourism industry everyone's got their hands out haven't they during COVID 19 australians have been warned the nation's international borders could remain shut for the majority of this year 2021 the tourism industry insists It simply will not be able to survive on domestic travel alone. However, the government says JobKeeper won't be extended again. It's a bit of a concern. So we're being warned to expect international travel bans for most of this year, despite a large-scale vaccination rollout, which is on the cards. Scientists say they want to monitor the efficiency of the vaccine before they make any border decisions. Health Department Secretary Brendan Murphy says it's likely that we will go most of the year with substantial border restrictions. Really? But he also said it's hard to make any estimates beyond three months into the future. So at this stage, it's all a bit of a guessing game. Yeah, give us a call if you would like to have your say on that. I mean, it's understandable that the tourism industry will continue to suffer um, because of border closures and also international travel restrictions. Speaking of international, Washington remains on edge after a security scare at the Capitol complex. The building was briefly locked down and a rehearsal for President-elect Joe Biden's inauguration was suspended after police received reports of smoke. Now, what it was was simply a fire that was several blocks away. And there was no threat to the public. There was no threat to the Capitol building. I mean, they're on edge, aren't they? Absolutely, they're on edge ahead of tomorrow, our time, Joe Biden's inauguration. 13 12 69 the telephone number today being Tuesday Andrew Lee MP will join us on the program Uh, we're going to talk about bonus keeper look a handful of Aussie companies are now pledging to return job keeper payments after reporting a profit so I want to congratulate Andrew Lee MP on the work that he's done on this he's kept them as honest as he possibly can in other words what he suggested was that these companies who have paid, you know, shareholder dividends, the companies that have made profit, that have still managed to do quite well despite the pandemic. He's essentially said, look, can you pay back the Australian taxpayers some of the money, please? Well, some companies are starting to listen. And I think that's wonderful news. So we'll speak to Andrew Lee MP about that this morning and congratulate him on that. That's good work. Good work. Trevor Long will join us today, our tech guru, and we're hoping to track down Pauline Hanson, One Nation Senator Pauline Hanson, for what will be, will it be our first chat with Pauline? Yes, it will be. It'll be our first chat with Pauline for 2021. Anyway, that's all on the way. What do you make of (laughs) tennis brat Bernard Tomic? And his soft porn girlfriend. Again, not my words. They're having a field day. The tabloids with this, aren't they? They're having an absolute field day with this. Mind you, this bird's getting her, you know, more than 15 minutes of fame out of this. (laughs) I mean, for goodness sake. I'll talk about it in more detail in just a couple of moments. But, look, basically, the bitter spat between international tennis stars and Australian Open officials continues. As a sixth person connected to the tournament tested positive to coronavirus, some of the game's top male players have demanded their matches be reduced from best of five sets to three to make up for their lack of training time. All right, well, how about we, I don't know, we... Knock off half of the shift time today, Justin. Just because of COVID-19, I haven't been able to get out and practice my announcing. goodness sake. Further anger was sparked yesterday among pent-up players as on-court training sessions at Melbourne Park were cancelled. But some stars managed to see the bright side of their life in quarantine. Look, there is some wonderful video emerging of some players, big grins on their faces, hitting up tennis balls against the window inside their quarantine rooms they're making the most of it some people get it unfortunately it's just the the usual brats that don't including Bernard Tomic I mean they're all very entitled at the moment some of them, not all of them but there's a lot of entitlement going on I think with with these tennis stars and Bernard Tomic there he is with his tattooed up missus she's there on a video, uh, you know, front and center. It's all about the likes, probably on our Instagram and whatever. But look, there are some who say the entitled tennis stars just need to shut up and stop moaning. And I agree. Including former tennis player Sam Groth. Anyway, if you'd like to have your say on this, give me a call, 13 12 69, the telephone number. It's Marcus Paul in the morning.
3: And I had a dream that someday I would just fly, fly away. And I always knew I couldn't stay. So I had a dream that i just fly away. I've been on my own for a minute. Is it only me out there? Searching for the place to begin at. Is it me? Is it you? Is it fear? Standing on the line I was given. People stand ask me why I'm here. No one seems to think that I fit in. That I don't wanna be. i
0: talk on the radio this is marcus paul in the morning well here's a community service
1: announcement from yours truly marcus paul in the morning not only should you be wearing a mask you should also uh, wear a condom or maybe you're an eco-sexual there are concerns about the environmental impact of plastic condoms leading to some (laughs) so-called eco-sexuals to go franger free well look We're going to start producing plastic-free propylactics, aren't we, Scruff? Plastic-free frangers. That's what Justin and I will be putting onto the market. Uh, Can somebody save me, Anna? Can we talk about pigeons, perhaps? Hello, Anna.
0: (laughs) We're bringing you all the news and the views. Marcus Paul in the morning.
1: Mm. Uh, All right, 19 minutes after six. For my listeners in the central west of New South Wales, I'll just stop that music. A woman has been charged with nine offences following the alleged assault and armed robbery of two men at around three o'clock yesterday. Two men aged 23 and 40 were at a home on Maxwell Avenue at Orange to visit three other people. short time later, it's alleged an occupant, a 38-year-old woman, approached the two men while armed with a knife and a metal pole. <laughs> Jesus. Police were told the woman demanded money and assaulted them multiple times. Both men escaped and alerted officers attached to Central West Police. They attended and arrested the 38-year-old woman who was taken to Orange Police Station. She sa- sounds like a charmer, doesn't she? Charged with two counts of aggravated, detained for advantage, armed robbery, intimidation, assault, and malicious damage. She was bail refused and uh, will <laughs> front court again on March 15. There we go. Interesting. I mean, this is a a woman aged 38 up against a bloke aged 23 and another bloke aged 40. They were at home at Maxwell Avenue in Orange when this woman apparently, allegedly, uh, stole from them, intimidated them and then pistol
0: whipped them. Jesus Genuine talk on the radio. This is Marcus Paul in the morning. The police minister of New South Wales, David
1: Elliott.
4: I, I'm sick of these sooks who seem to think that you know putting on a mask is either difficult or uh, or an infringement. It's not. This is you know we're a nation of, of soldiers. We're ANZACS. we you know we we every year we take yep. on the blue the, the the all blacks on the rugby pitch. You know we built the snowy mountain scheme. Where I, I can't believe that there is an Australia 2021 who, who, who seems to think that uh, it's too difficult to wear a mask out in public. Yeah, it's, it's, it's got to become a habit. It has, and it's, and it's a massive change in our lifestyle, in our culture, but it's not one that's going to be around forever, no, it's and it's certainly not one that's, 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 going to, you know, that's that it's costing people uh, their lives. It, the, the reality is that if you don't wear it, you're probably going to cost a life. It's not going to hurt you to put it on.
0: We're bringing you all the news and of years. Markers, fall in the morning.
1: Yeah, 24 minutes after six, well, the New South Wales opposition is calling on the Berejiklian government to ensure that face masks remain mandatory for the time being, even if other COVID-19 restrictions are eased. Shadow Minister for Health, Ryan Park, joins us. G'day, Ryan. How are you, mate?
5: G'day, Marcus. Happy New Year.
1: Yeah, you too, mate. Now, the use of face masks is an effective way of combating COVID-19 and should not be relaxed in any way by the government, according to you? No, absolutely
5: not. Masks save lives, but, Marcus, they also keep people in jobs and they keep our small businesses open. And that's got to be our focus going forward as we start to emerge out of this pandemic and deal with what is left, which is significant economic crisis and hardships to many, many people.
1: Yeah, you're right. I mean, the government is looking at easing restrictions, but masks are a cheap, effective method which will help keep families together and, of course, businesses open.
5: Absolutely. They're easy to wear. They're easy for people to comply with. They're cost-effective. And the reality is they work. And what we need to do now is start to focus on those things that can keep this virus at bay and keep our economy and people in jobs open.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of people are doing the right thing. When I'm out shopping uh, at supermarkets and uh, major shopping centres in the city and out in the suburbs, uh, I'm, I am reckon 95% of people that I'm seeing are wearing masks.
5: You're spot on, Marcus. People have responded very, very well because people know, the community knows that mask wearing saves lives, it saves jobs and it keeps their local small businesses, whether a cafe, a restaurant, a supermarket open and that's what We need to do. We need to remember that by doing this, we're not only helping ourselves and our family, but we're also helping our community stay open and keep people in jobs.
1: The Premier yesterday flagged the possibility of a no jab, no way situation to get into pubs and clubs in the future. I mean, what's your stance on this?
5: Well, I've said, look, as someone who's very, very supportive of vaccination, It'd hard to find someone more supportive of it than me. I've said that very clearly that's something that we'd be happy to have a look at, I think. What we need to do is make sure there's every opportunity for people to get vaccinated. And we do know, markets, yeah. certainly in communities from non-English-speaking backgrounds, that's sometimes a difficulty in rural and remote communities, in some yeah. Aboriginal communities, in rural New South Wales that also is sometimes a challenge, and we need to make sure that that's available before we start to go down that compliance way.
1: Good to talk to you, Ryan. Thank you, mate. Always great to talk to you, Marcus.
0: Genuine talk on the radio. This is Marcus Paul in the No morning. jab, no way.
1: Exclusive pub ban plan for anti-vaxxers. Tell you something, mate. This COVID is
2: a thing that keeps together And I think they're just pumping it for as much as they can because while that's happening...
1: They're just doing what they want to do. It's a distraction, Jeff. You're absolutely right. We're
0: bringing you all the news and the views. Marcus Paul in the morning.
1: All right, good morning. A rise in child protection notifications during the COVID-19 pandemic has highlighted the need for a stronger focus on mental health, family violence and housing and homelessness. That's according to the New South Wales Council of Social Services. We'll try and catch up with uh, NCOS CEO Joanna Quilty on the program this morning. Uh, The new data is very concerning. It's from the Australia Institute of Health and Welfare and it shows the protection of children notifications fell during COVID-19 lockdowns, and rose only once they were lifted. Boy, oh boy. Uh, According to modelling commissioned by NCOS and other peak bodies, which models the impact of rising unemployment by June 2021, when JobKeeper has ceased, and if JobKeeper returns to its previous rate, there will be... Are you ready for these stats? They're very sobering. According to this data, there will be... 27,500 more children at risk of neglect across New South Wales. That's a 24.5% rise due to increased unemployment and with some locations experiencing increases of over 40%. The number of 20 to 24-year-olds in New South Wales experiencing high or very high mental distress will increase by up to nearly 17%. Higher unemployment alone will lead to rates of domestic violence increasing by up to 5.5% in some regions of New South Wales, with COVID-19 lockdowns already having caused alarming spikes in reports to police. More than 9,000 people in New South Wales, they say, will be homeless, a rise of 24% in the homeless population. Some regions will see a 40.5% increase in homelessness. Well, something needs to be done addressing disadvantage before it becomes entrenched will ensure that children young people families and communities can get the support they need i mean these startling figures are a warning of what's to come if we don't act now and invest adequately in social service safety systems that prevent crises all right we'll try and catch up with the ncos ceo joanna quilty on the program a little later this morning Marcus Paul in the morning, 13 12 69 is the telephone number. More players and officials landing in Melbourne for the Australian Open are likely to test positive to the coronavirus within days after further cases were confirmed among players and officials. Infectious disease experts say the virus could still be incubating in some of the 1,200 who had arrived in Melbourne since Thursday, some from countries considered COVID-19 hotspots. Yeah, well, a lot of people on social media and calling through to this radio program and others have suggested why on earth have we been allowing people to fly into the country from these areas? Well, why? Tennis. That's why. More than 70 players, almost a fifth of those taking part in the Grand Slam, have been confined to their hotel rooms after they were deemed close contacts of people who tested positive to the virus after landing in Melbourne. Another four coronavirus cases, one of whom Victorian Chief Health Officer Brad Sutton, or Brett Sutton rather, said was believed to be a player linked to the tournament were confined by officials yesterday, bringing the total number of infections to six. Now, in addition to those, a member of the air crew on one of 17 flights chartered by tournament organisers has also tested positive. Now, the lockdown for players deemed close contacts means they cannot leave their rooms to train. So, of course, that's leading to a whole stack of complaints. Absolutely, there are. Well, Sam Groth has got it right In an editorial today in the newspaper, memo to all the tennis stars complaining from their hotel suites: stop your moaning. You are getting no sympathy from anyone in this country, given what we have been through this year, none at all. Sure, these are not ideal situations to be in ahead of a Grand Slam, but this is what you've got. Now, Sam Groth should know. He's played a lot of tennis grand slams. He knows firsthand what it's like to prepare for one and the stress that goes along with it. Anxiety is high, and if you're on edge preparing for the biggest stage in your sport, there's a lot on the line. Sure, it's not ideal preparation to be in lockdown, full or partial. It's not ideal to be stuck in a room. It's not ideal that the food mightn't be the best. It's not ideal that you can't train as you normally would. None of it is ideal... But after almost a year without any play or income, they've come to Melbourne, and if you're a singles player, you're getting a guaranteed $100,000. Now that's a lot of money. Guaranteed $100,000. Perhaps it's time these players got a little perspective. The virus is killing thousands of people on a daily basis. Others are losing their homes, their jobs, and not seeing their families. Players have been granted an exemption and an opportunity to earn huge money, yet they're complaining. Public backlash is hardly a surprise. Like every other Melbourneian, Sam Groth says he spent months and months last year sitting at home unable to travel more than five kilometres, only allowed out for an hour or so a day, unable to see loved ones or go about his normal life. And like thousands of others, Sam Groth said he spent almost a year with little to no work and therefore no income. We've all been through hell, and these players are complaining about their situations. It's completely tone deaf. Well, absolutely it is. And it doesn't help, of course, when... And I guess it's to be expected. If you go on many of the trashy magazine sites today, um, Daily Mail, etc., what are you... Hit with, well, pictures of Bernard Tomic's soft porn girlfriend, Vanessa Sierra. Vanessa Sierra, I've never heard of her before. She's the one who's been complaining the loudest about her time in five-star isolation. Vegan food, video games and yoga. Gee, it's tough, isn't it? Very tough. I mean, this thing is even... Basically turned around and made a bit of a joke of it all. It's no laughing matter, Vanessa, whoever you are. She says that now that she's confined to this five-star luxury hotel room for 14 days, she can go ahead and make some fans-only content with Bernard. What the hell is she doing there anyway for? I don't understand. Why is she there? I mean, isn't he a tennis player? Last time I checked, he wasn't a soft porn star with this thing. She's about as fake as they come. Give us a call, 1312. Yeah, the sisters, Sister Sledge. And we are family, Marcus Paul in the morning. Sue has been on the email. MP in the morning at 2SMSuperNetwork.com. G'day, Marcus. Just wondering how proven this vaccination is. Where is it made pushing it through so quickly? Research usually takes years. A bit of a worry, according to Sue. Well, if you want to have your say on that, give us a call. 131269. A former Queensland Young Australian of the Year has been slammed after launching an unfair dismissal claim. Jean Madden founded Street Swags but was sacked by the organisation after using $14,000 of the charity's money to pay her lawyer and giving her boyfriend a a $130,000-a-year job. Jobs for the boys, or in this case, boyfriend. Ms Madden was dismissed after allegedly racking up $441,000 in unauthorised expenses. Well, I wonder whether they should take away her Young Australian of the Year Award, a Queensland Young Australian of the Year Award, Jean Madden, the founder of Street Swags, also allegedly a fraudster. All right, well, look, it's not too far away from uh, when the kids are getting back to school, but I read with interest this morning back-to-school shopping lists are becoming increasingly elaborate, with some schools now asking for a computer mouse and making requests for specific brands of pricey stationery. Newport Public School on the northern beaches of Sydney this year wants parents to buy a 10-graphite HP pencil and two packets of 12-coloured pencils in the preferred brands. Parents are also requested to supply an A3 art portfolio made by either Jay Burrows or Itoya, and that currently retails at office Works at around 29 bucks. It's all, look, taken on their own, it doesn't sound too much, but, you know, when we have schools who start making requests for specific brands of stationery. And if these brands are pricey, it all adds up. Absolutely, it all adds up. Particularly during this time of COVID. A lot of parents don't have a lot of spare money. uh, You know, why do they necessarily have to buy the, the fanciest pencils? For God's sake, just buy a pencil. Yes, does it really matter whether it's fancy schmancy or not? Well, look, at Mwilembar Public School on the North Coast, students must bring whiteboard markers and pens and pencils in addition to a computer mouse and mouse pad. Well, hang on, don't we fund schools for things like mouse pads? Look, I can understand maybe taking your own computer mouse to use at a computer terminal at school. I, I kind of get that in a way because of COVID, but still. I mean, the 2021 stationary notice for parents in Year 5 to 6 at Willembar says the following items are essential for students to supply. <laughs> oh, really? PNC Central Coast President Sharon Brownlee said school teachers should not be making requests for specific brands and technology equipment. To put that pressure on individual families, especially during COVID, when people are losing their jobs, is very, very disappointing. What do you make of it? Give me a call. Maybe we can get the the Shadow Education Minister, Prue Carr, on the program this morning, Justin, to have a little chat about that. (laughs) All right, after seven o'clock, Andrew Lee, MP, to talk a a little uh, about uh, JobKeeper which he dubbed Bonus Keeper. As you know, last year on the program, we spoke to Andrew at length about this, how a number of big businesses that were doing quite well during COVID, they were still paying their bonuses to executives and still making quite a a nice profit. But at the same time, they were taking millions of dollars from Australian taxpayers in JobKeeper. Well, a handful of Australian companies are now pledging to return JobKeeper payments after reporting a profit. Well, that's great news. So we'll speak to Andrew about that very soon. All right, six minutes away from seven, away from six in Queensland. The former Commissioner of the New South Wales Rural Fire Service, Shane Fitzsimmons, has delivered his Australia Day address, reflecting on the nation's black summer bushfires as well as the resilience shown by so many in the face of of adversity. Here's a little of what Fitzy had to say.
6: Like so many others, it's changed me forever, particularly the damage, the losses, the loss of life, reminding me of the fragility of life, reminding us all of the fragility of life. And I believe we have a a responsibility to ensure that we acknowledge and we communicate and we, we let the loved ones know in our life that matter that we love them, that we care about them, that we need them, that we rely upon them, because we don't know what tomorrow will bring.
1: Yeah, he's a good bloke, Shane Fitzsimmons. Now, he also, um, um, bearing in mind that he is the New South Wales Australian of the Year, well, Mr Fitzsimmons has also thrown his support behind a new Indigenous version of the National Anthem. In his Australia Day address, the former RFS Commissioner said it would be good to have a nationally agreed indigenous version. The anthem was sung in both Darek language and English before last month's rugby test between Australia and Argentina. I remember it well. We spoke about
6: it at length. I note the national anthem changed only this last month to We Are One and Free. A simple change, a significant change, a powerful and important change in my view. I've also heard a couple of times now in, in, recent, in recent months the, answer, the anthem being sung in a local Aboriginal language and it's beautiful. Wouldn't it be wonderful if it were possible to have a nationally agreed Indigenous version that we could all learn and unite in voice?
1: Yeah, what do you make of that? Give us a call, 13 12 69 is the telephone number. Uh, he's a good bloke, Shane Fitzsimmons. Absolutely. Let's hope he's not ruined by politics. <laughs> That's all I hope for. Anyway, we're off to the newsroom in just a couple of moments. 13 12 69, the telephone number, if you would like to have you say, emails at mp in the morning at 2smsupernetwork.com. And if you want to send us a text, 0458 49209
0: Marcus Paul has Sydney talking. All the news and the views. Marcus Paul, weekdays from 5am on 2SM. All
1: right, welcome back to the program. Uh, look, very wet and wild in southeast Queensland. They had a storm that intensified over the southeast overnight and. Uh, It was a little uh, windy and certainly very wet. Brisbane, 120 odd millimetres. Beanley, 105. Kearney Creek, around 100 millimetres. But further north, of course, all eyes on that tropical cyclone, which was downgraded overnight, which is good news. Now, they are still on alert up there around uh, the tropical north, but at this stage, it's not looking too bad. Uh, Certainly, it'll be wet, windy and wild, a little like Brisbane, but uh, nothing compared to how it could have been had the tropical cyclone had uh, developed even further. Uh, but at this stage, they're just calling it a an East Coast low or just below, if you like, a Cat 1 cyclone, which is good news. All right, George is on the open line. Morning, George. Yeah, good morning, Marcus. Hello, mate. mate What's on your mind? This chain fits... Gibbon? Shane Fitzsimmons um, uh, former, Fitzsimmons, yeah, to... Yeah, I mean, uh, where, where does where, where is this idea
4: supposed to end up? How many versions of the uh, Aboriginal-style national anthem are we supposed to learn? Because don't forget one part of uh, uh, Victoria to another part of Victoria or New South Wales, they speak different it's a complete different language and dialect. Well, that's true. Different versions you have to learn. What a stupid suggestion. And can I just say one other thing, Marcus? How yeah. can one word one word, turn the world... How can we have become such such a weak society where a word can turn the world upside down.
1: Well, uh, only if you let it, George. You've obviously let it upset you. It doesn't upset me. I couldn't care less, to be perfectly honest. And I would love to hear a, a version of the Australian anthem from time to time that features uh, the Aboriginal dialect. Darug, I think, is the the version that they... Uh, did at the, uh, the rugby just a, a month or so ago, and I thought it was fantastic. Spine tingling comes to mind. Mm-hmm. NCOS. Are concerned about an end of uh, JobKeeper and JobSeeker payments and what that might mean to the safety of our children and unemployment levels around the country, we'll speak to NCOS CEO Joanna Quilty on the program just after 8.30. Right now, though, it's time to catch up with Andrew Lee, MP. Good morning, Andrew. How are you, mate? Great, Marcus. How are you? Okay. Bonus Keeper. That's what you dubbed JobSeeker. You and I went through the detail at length on the program late last year. A number of Australian businesses that were still doing quite well were paying executive bonuses and, uh, and also making quite a handy profit while receiving JobKeeper. Now we learn that there's a handful of Australian companies pledging to return some of the money.
7: It's terrific, Marcus. Uh, Toyota Australia is one of those who've uh, given the money back. They've given $18 million in JobKeeper payments back to the taxpayer. And their CEO, Matthew Calicor, said that uh, uh, it was the right thing to do as a responsible corporate citizen. Uh, And then yesterday we had Super Retail Group that owns Rebel, Super Cheap Auto and BCF, uh, saying much the same. Uh, Plenty of good sales. Uh, They decided that they didn't need the taxpayer money and so they're giving one seven million dollars back to the taxpayer. I think those two firms are are really going to uh, go up in their public standing. Uh, They show that their corporate ethics are in line with most Australians. Uh, If you're uh, doing well you don't need taxpayer handouts.
1: No you don't and congratulations to them and also congratulations to you Andrew because you and I but you in particular have been on about this for quite some time and you've brought pressure to bear where it's needed Uh, because you're saving Australian taxpayers' dollars.
7: Absolutely, Marcus. And this is a time at which uh, government budgets are are tight. We know that the government is looking at phasing out JobKeeper even before the recovery takes hold. Uh, The Deloitte figures that were out yesterday show pretty weak wages growth for years, unemployment not returning to pre-pandemic levels for a number of years. Uh, and so it's, uh, it's quite clear that uh, there are people that are going to be struggling, the million out of work, the million who'd like to have more hours, uh, and that the uh, job seeker payment is uh, scheduled to uh, fall again, and that's going to make it very tough for many of those people who are uh, just struggling to, to get by and pay rent and pay the bills. Uh, at a time like that, we shouldn't be giving many millions of dollars to firms whose profits in 2020 were better than their profits in 2019.
1: Well, the other concern, of course, and we'll speak a little bit more about it this morning on the program uh, with NCOS, they're suggesting that uh, a rise in child protection notifications during the COVID-19 pandemic has highlighted the need for a stronger focus on mental health, family violence and housing and homelessness. Now, that's the New South Wales Council of Social Service. They've uh, produced some data here from the Australian Institute of Health and Welfare that shows that child protection notifications fell during COVID-19 and rose again once they were lifted. What their main concerns are is that a number, in fact, nearly 30,000 more children could be at Risk of neglect across New South Wales due to increased unemployment, and also, of course, there'll be uh, some distress—whether uh, it's mental distress or certainly uh, distress that's caused by a uh, well financial strain. We, I, I suppose we could call it financial distress. What they're suggesting is that more than nine thousand more people in New South Wales are at risk of becoming homeless once JobKeeper and Job Seeker payments cease to exist.
7: Yeah, it's interesting, Marcus. We often don't think about the impact of a recession on kids. But, of course, uh, anything that affects uh, the financial stability of a household or causes adults to lose their job flows onto kids. And then you've got the school closures on top of that, some of the uncertainty over unstable housing. Uh, We know that there's been uh, family violence uh, reports of of that going up as well, and so uh, we really do need to make sure there's enough resources for those extraordinary frontline workers that are out there uh, helping families uh, who are uh, in these, these really awful conditions.
1: When's Parliament back, Andrew? Uh,
7: Parliament's back on the uh, beginning of February, Marcus, okay. and uh, yeah, we'll be uh, we'll be pushing pretty strongly for some of the other firms to uh, to step up and do the sort of sort of thing that Super Retail Group and Toyota have done. Uh, I'm thinking particularly of Premier Investments, uh, which uh, operates Smiggle and Dotty Portmans and Just Jeans. Uh, they're a firm that's uh, gotten uh, many million millions of dollars of job keeper. Uh, they've paid their CEO a bonus. They've paid their uh, billionaire shareholders shareholder a good dividend, uh, and yet they're refusing to pay money back to the taxpayer despite uh, enjoying a very big increase in profits.
1: All right. We'll keep the pressure up on them. Just on, on another aside, uh, some news yesterday, um, it came from one of the union heavyweights who's pushing for Tanya Plibersek, perhaps to replace Anthony Albanese as Labor leader. I don't know whether you'll buy into any of this or not, but are there some concerns within the rank and file of Labor that Albo mightn't be able to get you across the line if ScoMo pulls a, an early election this year?
7: No, none at all. Uh, You've uh, had many conversations with Anthony, you know how passionately committed he is to making sure that uh, we have a recovery which takes us back to a better place than we were before the pandemic. Uh, Anthony sets the, uh, the standards much higher than Scott Morrison in wanting a recovery which will make sure that we get strong wage growth. Uh, that we have uh, an, uh, an economy which is dealing with dangerous climate change, uh, and which uh, everyone is uh, is, is uh, no one's left behind and no one's held back. Uh, that's uh, that's his passion. Of course, it's tough to be an opposition leader uh, in these uh, these times. We sure. see that around the world. But I think he's doing a terrific job.
1: All right, mate. Good to chat. We'll catch up next week. Thank you, Andrew. Great. Thanks, Marcus. All right, there he is, Andrew Lee MP. <laughs> it's a quarter past seven, quarter past six in Queensland. A mother of two has been fined a $1,000 for letting her young children drive her car in a national park in what a magistrate said should loom large as a warning about road safety to other parents during the school holidays. Rachel Cameron of Tookley was enjoying a family holiday on the mid-north coast with her partner and two children when they visited Diamond Head, with the, uh, within the Crowdy Bay National Park, this happened in October. An agreed statement of facts tendered to Wyong local court states on or around October 6, Cameron allowed both her kids, aged 13 and 9, to drive her Isuzu station wagon. Now, her partner videoed the children and then stupidly later posted the footage on Instagram. Uh oh. Talk about dumb and dumber. I mean, she's stupid for allowing them to drive because they're obviously well and truly underage, and he's even more stupid for then posting the vision on Instagram. Well, what happened? Well, of course, an anonymous person contacted Crime Stoppers and alerted police at the incident. Cameron pleaded guilty to two counts of allowing a person who has never held a licence to drive her vehicle. Uh, The civilian... Police employee was interviewed by officers more than a month later on November thirty. Now she was convicted and fined five hundred dollars on each offence, so a total of a thousand dollars in fines. Now, it mightn't sound like the you know the worst thing you could possibly do, but what was to ha- what would have happened if if either the nine-year-old or the thirteen-year-old in driving the vehicle had an accident and killed themselves or even worse, somebody else. It's negligent, and it's against the law, basically. Anyway, anyway, this mum will have hope, hopefully have learned a lesson. 13 12 69, the telephone number. Oh, give it up, Rolo. There's a bloke, um, I think he's a regular listener. Uh, he's been banned from the law show. I ban him as well because he's... Look, if they did a, an autopsy on this bloke, even... After the body was cold, I mean, they'd be lucky if they found any skerrick of a brain. For goodness sake, Rollo, just go away with your your, uh, texts and your nonsense you're carrying on with, mate. Really? I see you think Sleepy Joe is going to be the 46th President of the United States. No, Donald Donald J. Trump will be the 19th President of the US. Work that out. P-brain and boy blunder. That's what Rollo wants to call us, pea brain and boy blunder. Ha, ha, ha. The free world hangs on this and you don't know anything about it. Spare my days, says Rollo. And then he goes on with another rant. Please, what inauguration? Uh, The one tomorrow? You know, the one in Washington with the incoming president of the United States, Joe Biden? Do you still believe the deep state you couldn't? Or are you actually, I don't know, not brain dead because that requires a brain? Ask your offsider, He might have to come to his senses. Rolo, I'm understanding now why there's a big sign out there at the fortress that says no Rolo because you're a dead set moron. Right, Mark is on the open line on 13-12-69 at 22 minutes after seven. G'day, Mike. Mark. Mark.
2: Mark, I mean. What are your thoughts on Craig Kelly?
1: He's a nutjob. Isn't he? And that George Christensen? Well, uh, you know, between well, the, between know the why... two of them, I think they're both very dangerous, Mark. What they're doing well, is they're spreading conspiracy theories. And why doesn't Morrison do
2: anything about it?
1: Uh, well, because he has no backbone. They're
2: pathetic, those two, and the people that listen to them and talk about how good they are, just got to wonder, are they right in the head?
1: Well, I don't know. Look, again, I've been uh, at great pains of, of saying on this program that I present, I... You know, whether or not it's correct, I have to follow the correct uh, advice given to me from... I'm not a medical expert, mate. I, I'm not yeah. an expert on vaccines. I'm not an expert on coronavirus. I read a lot of the information provided by New South Wales Health and the Australian government on COVID-19, and I want to be responsible when I'm giving information out there. I'm not going to tell anybody to get a well, you hold
2: yourself liable if you don't. Well... And if so- someone does... Some people do what this Kelly's suggesting. He could be held. What is it culpable,
1: the word? Well, I don't know. It's certainly uh, dangerous to spread information that hasn't Mis- been verified. Yeah, or misinformation. Uh, but, look, there are so many people who are, uh, you know, these different drugs, whether it's... Uh, look, I don't even like mentioning them on air. D- but, Trump I, for a I won't, but... There are a lot of people who even pressure me. Um, can you interview this person? He's got some great information on a certain drug that could cure COVID-19. Oh, yeah, yeah.
2: Of
0: course,
1: no doctors would have thought
2: of that. No no
1: doctors would have
0: entered their heads. No, of but, course um,
2: not. Why don't you interview Kelly and tear shreds off him?
1: Well, we put a, a request into Craig Kelly um to to come on the programme. As you know, Mark, we're doing the, the John Law show as well, so we're going to I don't yeah. know, around eighty odd stations around Australia after nine o'clock. Funnily enough, I think his out. Well, yes, his press people got wind of the fact that we wanted to challenge him on a few of these issues, so he hopped on two G B down the road and, and basically um, got well,
2: uh, what's it t- i bet really goes on Sky News too. Probably.
1: <laughs> Probably, mate. you know
2: what is is really pathetic now. How many times the Graper had um uh, Gladys on? Like he, she had more time on air than what he did. I think it is so bad that and they are so biased. that they, they only interview it's a full time of the Liberal Party.
1: Mark, you're not still and watching what I was them. Are you? you is big fun. You're not still watching them. You
2: no, no, what not? Yet. Okay, no. all right. What I was going to say is, could you imagine? How much they'd all be screaming if this was Labor in power now, borrowing all this money and things not turning in how they should with that robo debt and the, the phone thing where, you, the, what was that thing where your phone, the phone tracing thing?
1: Yep, I know what
6: that you was mean.
2: A robo debt. All yep. those are millions of dollars and mm. no one says anything about
1: it. Well, uh, I've got one word Barry o- well, actually, one name to give you. Barry O'Farrell, uh, he went for a bottle of Plonk. Um, yeah. The Premier of New South Wales, I don't know, uh, she must shop at a, a place that sells great Teflon. <laughs> nothing sticks, mate. Nothing oh, sticks. What i is
2: how pathetic it is how the right wing media says nothing about what the, the money that's disappearing. But well, look at that block of land they paid another $27 million yeah. for what it was valued at to a Liberal Party donor. <laughs> yeah, of course.
1: You've got to look after your mates, mate. What jockey's that? You've got to look after your mates. Oh yeah. hey, why wouldn't you look after your mates? Yeah, that's that's crook. Well, You're it still is. You know, rat there, can't you? Well, you can, and I've reported it. Uh, Michael West, Independent Media, have reported it. The Guardian reports it, but you know, and, and look, in fairness, the mainstream also picked up on that, but nothing was done about it. That's yeah. the concern.
2: Well, the murder press would 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 they would have hammered that to hell if it was Labour.
1: Well, yes, we would still be reading it front page. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. But they're more concerned about putting things like, I don't know, a soft porn star on the front page of the newspaper today because it's titillating. Oh. Bernard Tomic and his soft porn yeah. star girlfriend Vanessa Sierra have complained about their time in five-star isolation. Yeah, yeah. That's
2: why I don't even bother with the
8: Murdoch press. Ah. Now. Anything that Murdoch I
1: just look away from. All right, mate. All right. Okay. right Good Bye. to talk. See you, mate. Bye-bye. Hello, Mick. How are you? Oh, well, mate, it's not that Gladys
9: has got Teflon on her, mate. It's that the bulk of the, uh, uh, let's call it, non independent media yep. will not ask her the questions. They feel she's already answered them, even when they had to hand feed her some of the answers, like Dorothy Dixon's. <laughs> now, you're not old enough to remember. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't seen a picture of you. You could be an old bugger. Um, the media did the same thing to Russ Hins, to Joe Peterson, to Robert Askin. You know, they of these issues.
1: Yeah. Are telling me they play, they've always played favourites? Is that what you're telling me, Mick?
9: Mate, it goes well beyond playing favourites. It's the, <laughs> the media which is meant to protect. The, the, you know, We talk about having a free media which North Korea doesn't have and China doesn't have, how important it is. It is important, but they're not a free media, most of them. Mm. Why don't you get invited to Gladys's private press conferences? Because you'll ask her questions you haven't already written down for her.
1: Very true. This is why.
9: They protect them, mate. So it's not that she's got Teflon on her, it's that much of the media is complicit in this corruption, and we have a long history of it in New South Wales. All
1: right, mate. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it, 13 12 69, if you'd like to have your say. Well, the US Capitol building was placed in temporary lockdown after a security threat, an alarm ringing out announcing the possible well, they say attack, uh, an external security threat, and you could see the video of uh, smoke ballooning behind the Capitol building, but what it was was a fire about two or three blocks away. Talk about being on edge in the United States. There was nothing to see there. Um, Look, when I say there was nothing to see, it would have been quite alarming considering what's been going on in the Capitol uh, with this, I think it was a a shrub fire or maybe a factory fire or something not too far away from the Capitol building. And to see the, you know, the spire of the Capitol building with smoke billowing behind it, well, of course, it would have been quite alarming to a number of people. But anyway, uh, the security threat led to an alarm ringing out and you you can see on the vision people doing the Harry Holt, running uh, as if for their lives. It was, of course, a false alarm, but still it shows very clearly how on edge things are ahead of tomorrow's inauguration of Joe Biden. All right, well done to New South Wales Police. A man will face court today charged over the alleged online grooming and sexual assault of a teenage girl in Sydney Southwest. Yesterday, police executed a search warrant at a home at Villawood. Following reports, a man was being detained by the occupants over an alleged sexual assault. Fairfield City Police Area officers attended and a 22-year-old man was arrested he was taken to Fairfield Police Station, charged with having sex with a child between 14 and 16 and grooming a child for unlawful sexual activities. Boy, oh boy. Police will allege in court that the man sexually assaulted a 14-year-old girl he met via a social media application earlier this month. The Bankstown man was refused bail and will front Fairfield Local Court today. Well done to police. Police. And please let us serve as another reminder that whatever you do, keep an eye on your children online. There are predators out there.
10: Kayla Savage. Tropical cyclone Kimmy is weakening. It's been downgraded to a Category 1 storm overnight and is expected to decrease further as it moves southeastward along the Queensland coast. The storm is forecast to make a U-turn near Townsville later this morning. Police are investigating after dozens attended a beach party in North Bondi on Sunday. Footage of the event has emerged, showing partygoers flouting COVID-19 restrictions. Under the restrictions, up to 30 people can gather outside in a public place, including beaches. In the latest testing period, New South Wales recorded eight coronavirus cases in returned overseas travellers. A man will face court charged with grooming and sexually assaulting a teenager in Sydney's southwest. Zen Howell reports.
1: Just after seven o'clock last night, police were called to a Villawood home to report a man had allegedly sexually assaulted a 14-year-old girl. The 22-year-old Bankstown man was being detained by occupants of the home until police arrived. Officers arrested the man and took him to Fairfield Police Station. He was charged with having sexual intercourse with a child aged between 14 and 16 and grooming a child for
10: unlawful sexual activity. Police allege he met the 14-year-old via social media earlier this month. He'll face Fairfield Local Court today. In Sydney, Zen Howell for Super Network News. A former Queensland Young Australian of the Year has been slammed after launching an unfair dismissal claim. Jean Madden founded Street Swags but was sacked by the organisation after using $14,000 of the charity's money to pay her lawyer and giving her boyfriend a $130,000 a year job. Ms Madden was dismissed after allegedly racking up $441,000 in unauthorised expenses. Authorities in China believe a dozen miners who became trapped following an explosion in a gold mine are still alive. It's been a week since 22 workers were trapped and 10 are still missing. Rescue crews have been lowering down food rations taped to wire cables in the hopes the miners hadn't died in the explosion. A note was sent back up pleading for help. A phone connection has been set up to help with the communication. Six Australian playpens have failed safety tests. They include the baby care playpen, which poses a strangulation and escape risk. Matthew Stain from Choice says there's no Australian standard for playpens, so testing is based on standards for other relevant products.
11: What we
12: do is we look at the construction. So we check to see whether the playpen has any objects that could be inhaled or ingested. Uh, We look for sharp corners, edges and points. Um, whether playpens have any projections which could hurt a child if they ran at them at speed, Um, look for potential clothing entanglement hazards uh, which pose a uh,
11: strangulation risk.
10: The death toll from violence in Sudan is expected to rise, the BBC's David Banford reports.
11: Latest reports say Arab militiamen
1: used trucks, motorbikes and camels in a surprise raid on the village of Sardun in South Darfur. It's inhabited by the non-Arab Falata community. The report comes only a day after more than 80 people were confirmed dead in clashes in West Darfur. Nearly three weeks ago, the United Nations and the African Union ended their
11: long-running joint peacekeeping mission in the region. Sudan's been undergoing a fragile transition since the ousting from power in 2019 of President Omar al-Bashir, whose regime was often accused of backing the Arab militias.
10: Updating sport, the final test between Australia and India will get underway at the Gabba this morning. Play on day four had to be suspended after heavy rain. India is none for four at Stumps and they need 324 runs to win the match and the Border Gavaskar Trophy. More players have been forced into quarantine ahead of the Australian Open. At least 72 athletes are now isolated and unable to train because of multiple positive cases on chartered flights. They're being forced to isolate for the full 14 days. Ben Teo has extended his contract with the Broncos. He'll return to the field this year after getting another 16 games under his belt in 2020. And Belarus won't co-host this year's Ice Hockey World Championship. Organisers have safety concerns because of the pandemic and the ongoing political unrest. In finance, the US market is closed today and one Australian dollar is buying 76.83 US cents. This is Super Network News.
0: Genuine talk on the radio. This is Marcus Paul in the morning. No jab, no way.
1: Exclusive pub band plan for anti-vaxxers. Tell you something, mate. This COVID
2: is a thing that keeps giving. And I think they're just pumping it for as much as they can because while that's
1: happening, they're just doing what they want to do. It's a distraction, Jeff. You're absolutely right. We're
0: bringing you all the news and the views. Marcus Paul in the morning.
1: Yeah, sometimes I get a little frustrated, 24 minutes to wait. Some people don't like to open their eyes to different points of view. Uh, we uh, shared a post uh, of Malcolm Roberts, our chat uh, we had with Malcolm yesterday, and Amanda says, you're kidding, right? See ya. Come on, Amanda Smith. Surely you're open to alter- alternate points of view. Look, you can't agree with uh, everything, I understand that, but you you don't know what you're going to disagree with unless you hear it, correct? And that's what we do on this program. Uh, well, if you don't like Malcolm, you're certainly not going to like my guest after eight o'clock, and that is Pauline Hanson. Uh, what are Pauline's goals for this year? She'll talk about the vaccine rollout in Australia. And international travel won't kickstart to until possibly 2022, according to federal medical office officials, even with the vaccine. So plenty to talk about with Pauline Hansen. As I say, we like to get all points of view on this program. And uh, some bloke as well has come on this morning had a little crack at Andrew Lee. He's turned around and said, Marcus, I was impressed with Andrew Lee, but once he mentioned climate change, back to voting for SCOMO. Sorry, Marcus and listeners. Peter and Lithgow. I don't know, Pete, really. Andrew Lee just saved taxpayers here at Australia millions upon millions of dollars by pressuring businesses to return JobKeeper payments that they really didn't need or deserve but you are gonna vote for SCOMO simply because Andrew thinks that the planet's in a bit of trouble? Wow. Fair enough. <laughs> Scott Murray has sent us an email as well, MP in the morning at 2SM Good morning, Marcus. Happy New Year to you and your family. On the topic of Bernard Tomic's girlfriend Vanessa. You have to feel sorry for the poor pet. Her biggest issue was that she normally has her own hair washed for her. Yeah, I read that yesterday. And shock horror, she will now have to do it herself. And how about those beasting lips? Do you think she's a little vain? Have a great day, Marcus, enjoying your program. Uh, Yes, just a little vain. But look, at the end of the day, that's... Well, that's her business, being vain. She's a so-called Instagram star and a fans-only star. You know what fans-only means? Soft porn, basically. Uh, Getting a a gear off for the titillation of others, and she charges people for it. At the end of the day, she's really a prostitute. And not a very good-looking one either, to be honest. Hi, Chris. How are you?
13: Pretty good Marcus here you going. You're going to be talking to Pauline shortly, are you?
1: I am, my friend, yes. Uh, look, I don't know. I might be a
13: bit out of sorts. Would it be possible for you to maybe ask for a question? Australian politicians in general yeah. have a look at how little we get paid for our natural resources that are sold out of this country?
1: All right. Uh, your phone's pretty dodgy there, but what I'm hearing is you would like better value for the resources that we dig out of the ground and send overseas, essentially. We, we need more value added. That, that's what I'm saying, yeah. Yeah. Well, I can certainly um, bring that up with Pauline. To start I, I don't on. know if they ever look at that, Marcus. Well, yes, they do. A lot of people have been looking at it, One Nation in particular. Uh, I mean, in my conversations, again, with people like uh, Malcolm Roberts, he's been going on about value adding our resources, for, yeah, you know, until he's blue in the face. The problem is, let me tell you what the problem is, Chris, is that a number of politicians at a federal level are too cosy with the mining conglomerates, the mining magnates. That
13: yeah, they, Australia's like a cheap store.
1: Well, absolutely. We dig it out of the ground, uh, we ship it overseas, and or we allow it to be... Uh, Shipped you know, overseas, yes. and
13: we get virtually
1: nothing for it.
13: No, well, not not in comparison. The, the companies get plenty. The, the multinational companies and the big companies, they get plenty. Mm. The consolidated revenue gets very little.
1: Well, that's very true. We don't value add to the resources that we dig out of the ground here in Australia. Thanks, mate. All right,
0: great call. Appreciate it. Thirteen, twelve, sixty-nine. La, 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 la. Marcus Paul has Sydney talking. talking, talking, talking. The news and the views. Listen, you can hear me through the radio. Marcus Ball, weekday mornings from 5 a.m. on 2SN. All right,
1: give us a call. Let us know what's on your mind this morning. The federal government's being urged to provide additional financial support to the tourism industry. Australians have been warned the nation's international borders could remain shut for the majority of this year. And the industry, the tourism industry, insists it simply won't survive on domestic travel alone. However, the government says JobKeeper won't be extended again, as we know. I mean, what do we do about this? What do we do about this? This is the problem, of course, with COVID-19. It does not recognise borders. And unfortunately, uh, it's going to be a very tough haul ahead for international travel. (laughs) Southwest residents are being urged to remain vigilant at the beach after a woman drowned trying to save her son on the south coast. Emergency crews were called to Congo Beach, just south of Maruya on Sunday after a woman and a boy became caught in a rip. The woman swam out to help her 10-year-old son, who had been struggling to swim in a large swell. Now, a surfer assisted the pair back to shore. The boy was uninjured. But unfortunately, the 50-year-old woman died a short time later. Just please, in the last week of school holidays also, be very, very water-wise. Please, we don't want any more drowning deaths before the kids get back to school. (laughs) A rise in child protection notifications during COVID-19 has highlighted the need for stronger focus on mental health, family violence and housing and homelessness. That's according to the New South Wales Council of Social Services. Uh, Some of the stats that I've received, the data here is quite alarming. There will be... Around 27,500 more children at risk of neglect across New South Wales. A 24.5% rise due to increased unemployment and with some locations experiencing increases of over 40%. I want to talk about this with NCOS CEO Joanna Quilty. Uh, She'll be joining us on the program after 8.30 this morning. That's on the way. Also after 8 o'clock, Pauline Hanson, One Nation Senator, coming up. (laughs) Look, we'll have a, uh, a podcast up very soon. Marcus Paul in the morning, follow the hashtag. Uh, a podcast of our chat with Andrew Lee, MP, in relation to Bonus Keeper. It's a really good story. A handful of Australian companies are now pledging to return JobKeeper payments after reporting a profit. So, again, tens of millions of dollars will return to government coffers, which is wonderful, wonderful news. Also, good news is that we have a, a new sponsor on the program. They're called Chili Pip Lounge Designs. I love the name, Chili Pip. They're a lounge manufacturer that make comfy lounges, wholesale prices direct to the public. You can get your lounge in around three to four weeks from Go To woe. They'll custom-make your lounge to suit your exact needs and style. You can pick the seat depth and the height that's comfortable with your body type, whether you're small or tall. Now, if you suffer from knee pain, you can choose a firmer seat cushion so it takes the pressure off your knees when getting up and down and the height from the floor to the top of the seat cushion that feels high enough so as not to put pressure on your joints. Chili Pip lounge designs have a factory in Sydney. And their showroom is here as well. And it's made for Australians by Australians. They're family-owned and operated for over 20 years. They specialise in lounges, armchairs, sofa beds, bedheads and ottomans. And of course you can choose your favourite fabric, favourite leather. And you can also feel safe with a 10-year warranty. So why don't you buy direct from the manufacturer? You can call them, Chili Pip Lounge Designs, and speak to one of their staff on one 797 516 That's one 797 516 But why don't you check out some of the wonderful feedback they've got online. Just go to chilipip.com.au so you can spice up your home, your office, or your showroom with the hottest-looking, most comfortable new cushion-made lounge from Chili Pip. Once again, go to chillipip. And their telephone number 1300 795 516. And we welcome them to the Marcus Paul in the Morning Family, a a great new sponsor of the program here in Sydney. Alrighty, give me a call. Let me know what's on your mind this morning. I would love to hear from you. It's 11 minutes away from 8 o'clock.
3: You must understand The touch of your hand Makes my pulse react That it's only the thrill Of boy meeting girl Opposites
14: attract It's physical Only logical You must try to ignore That it means more
1: Too far away from our 8 o'clock news, 7 o'clock in Queensland. We'd love to get your thoughts on this. 13 12, 69. Should schools make parents buy brands for back-to-school essentials? Back-to-school shopping lists are apparently becoming increasingly elaborate, with some schools now asking for a computer mouse and making requests for specific brands of pricey stationery. What difference does it make? What sort of pencil you use? So long as it's usable. Why are schools asking parents to buy certain brands? Newport Public School on the northern beaches of Sydney this year is asking parents to buy 10 graphite HB pencils and two packets of 12 coloured pencils. That's all fine, but they want the students to use preferred brands, Staedtler or Faber-Castell. Wouldn't happen to be a little deal going, would there? I don't know. <laughs> Parents are also requested to supply an A3 art portfolio made by either Jay Burrows or Itoya, which currently retails at Officeworks for 29 bucks. Well, I bet you could buy it at Kmart for half that price. Or Target, or elsewhere. I don't know. What do you make of it? 131269, the telephone number. News next.
0: And now on Marcus Paul in the Morning.
1: Marcus has been absolutely
15: fantastic to give me that platform to have a say on a lot of topics that I speak about.
1: Pauline Hanson. Okay, welcome back to the program. It's five minutes after eight, after seven in Queensland, where One Nation Senator Pauline Hanson is. Morning, Pauline. Happy New Year to you.
15: Good morning. Same to you and all of your
1: listeners. Did you have a wonderful break?
15: I, ha- I have had a fantastic break, and I really needed it. I was so tired. The first night we got back from Canberra, I stretched about 13 hours.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I bet you did. Did I see <laughs> that you were actually um, learning how to jet ski on your break?
15: I did. I actually got my jet ski and my boat licence. Now, yeah. um, when I'm finished with politics or maybe if get some time, I can actually go and buy myself a little tinny or I can actually go and I I'll go out fishing for the day. So I don't have to rely on friends to actually take me out fishing. I love my fishing. And I got the jet ski license because when I'm up around Keppel, up at Rocky, Central Queensland, I can actually go over to James Scottish Jet Ski, Old Hollow Jet Ski. We'll go over there and do some snorkeling, look at the reef. And, um, yeah, probably do some fishing off the
1: top of our jet Ah, it's very Australian. I love it. Uh, speaking of the north, uh, lucky um, with this cyclone. At this stage, a tropical low, and it's going to do a bit of a U-turn um, mm. and head toward Townsville. But at this stage, things – it looks like they've uh, dodged a bullet up there. Thank goodness. Yeah,
15: thank goodness, too, because, um, again, the banana industry has been hit by the floods that have happened up there already. So. I've got the prices the of bananas, they'll be going up
1: again. Oh, dear. Yes, of course. And our best wishes to everybody um, in North Queensland uh, today, and uh, we're thinking of you. Uh, Pauline, are you a tennis player? I used to be in
15: my younger days when I was at school. Okay. So if, if you I if, loved my
1: tennis. If you were a tennis player and you were guaranteed to earn, I don't know, $100,000 by playing the first round of the Australian Open, and you were told by authorities that it was in everybody's best interest in Australia that you quarantined and just sat in a hotel room for a couple of weeks. Would you do it? Uh,
15: For that sort of money, um, probably. Yeah. Um, the reason, so, yeah.
1: I, yeah, the reason I ask is because I'm a bit concerned by this this uproar. Uh, I mean, we're all, as you would know, and you've been included in this, we're all being told to make sacrifices, rightly or wrongly, uh, in relation to COVID-19. We've had border closures and uh, a lot of people, and you know, including me, think they've been very strict. But I just think that um, at the moment we're kowtowing too much to... Um, to professional sports people, and I, I, I hope that the Victorian government uh, stays the course on this and, and don't allow players to, to overrule, basically, for want of a better term, a tennis term, if you like, their calls. Because, I mean, we're already seeing, unfortunately, more strains and more cases of COVID coming in from, uh, you know, the, the hundreds of tennis players and officials arriving in Melbourne. Uh, and we just need to be very careful.
15: Look, I totally agree with you. Um, we've got this kind of back in the country because people have come back or repatriated back to Australia, and that's why we've had these recent lockdowns. The the governments must be true to course, though, in what they do. If they're going to say they're going to open up a football match or a game or at the um, uh, to do this, uh, and they allow 50,000 people in to sit and watch it, it's hypocritical of them allowing these venues to take these people, yet they've... They, have lockdown in other areas if you're going to do it you do it right across the board for everyone you, got to, you, you can't as they did with the football match you, you know the grand finals that happened in Queensland she had the borders locked yet she opened up for 50,000 people to actually go to the game and they open up the borders for people to people who travel up there if you're going to have lockdown if you're going to have the rules you set it for everyone so everyone's treated fairly with it and if that's the rules of our country these people coming back they have to have the lockdown for two weeks if it takes that long well then so be it
1: All right, Pauline, what are your goals for this year, uh, 2021?
15: Well, I have been working on the family law inquiry. We're handing down our recommendations by the end of February. I want to see that through to ensure that the government takes up um, some of these recommendations. There's a lot. It needs a thorough clean-up. Mm. We need to address the court system. It's affecting so many families and the children as well. And I think the courts need to really have a good look at why they deny parents the right to see their children. And uh, I think that's the biggest issue here that we have. That's why we have suicides and murders and children that are being affected by it. We've got more um, psychological damage with kids these days, not being able to see their parents due to self-harm, problems in school, um, behavioural problems. Yes. So that needs to be addressed. The other one is that I want to do is to go back and badger the government on the northwest shelf with our liquefied gas that we export. I found an article yesterday that uh, was written in October 2010. This is about our gas export. At that stage, in 2010, we were the largest exporter in the world, yet we only recovered about, they stayed at $800 But half of that, or more than half of that, comes from the best rate from our domestic gas supply. So we only get about $300 million from our yes. liquefied gas with the Northwest Shelf. Qatar, they make $26.6 billion out of royalties, <laughs> and they, they export less than what
1: we do. And well, I'm that's outrageous. That's outrageous. So Correct. Qatar export less of this liquefied gas than what Australia do, but they make you know, some $26 billion and we make next to nothing.
15: About, about $300 million. correct. Now, I've been on about this for the last four years in yeah. Parliament. They so refuse to ask my questions to do anything about it. I think the major political parties, including Labour, curtail to the major oil companies and they put pressure on them. So they're reluctant to actually do anything or look at the, the money that we should be making in this country. Look at Norway, the money that they made out of their gasoline to other countries, especially England. If you look at Papua New Guinea, they export less than what we have and produce it, and yet they're making a billion dollars a year out of their exports.
1: Yeah, I had an earlier caller who wanted me to ask you a question in relation to this. Why aren't we, you know, value-adding to our resources? Uh, the caller said, when you speak to Pauline, and that's why I'm glad you brought up the uh, the gas uh-huh. situation. The caller said, Marcus, can you ask Pauline why we seem to extract all of these minerals from the earth here in Australia? We flog them off overseas, and yet we don't see any of the rewards or the return. There's no financial add to our gross domestic product from this. Uh, and you've just pointed out very clearly, $300 million is all that Australia made out of selling this uh, liquefied gas, whereas Qatar, who basically pull out less than what we do, are making billions. doesn't make sense.
15: It doesn't make sense. And the whole fact is that the, the government, and I think what governments do, is they've um, reluctant to put pressure on these, these companies. They come out and they say, oh, they, they put millions of dollars into research and into building these platforms, these pipelines, but then they use that as a tax credit so they can actually work and get that money back and the government says, oh, yep, they employ all these people. Initially, they do. Then when they um, have everything up and running, they don't employ that many people again, so the government doesn't do anything about it. So governments are not here for the long vision. They're only for short vision and getting a project done, the employment it creates, they don't look it further down the track. That's someone else's problem. Yeah, That's it. a big problem in this country. We need to have long-term vision and to actually make the royalties and monies out of these, these resources that we have. Because once they're gone, they're gone.
1: The vaccine rollout, uh, the date is drawing near. Um, how are you uh, feeling about it? Do you still harbour the same concerns that we discussed last year?
15: Um, especially when I heard the article yesterday that in, in Norway you've got 30 people that have died from having the vaccine. Now, apparently they were um, not in good health. or yes. aged and frail. Mm. They should never have given it to these people. I don't know why the hell they did. Yeah. And then there was another 10 people that died in Germany. The same reasons. They don't know the causes of this. I'm not having the vaccine. That's going to be my choice. But I will not have it and they won't force me to have it to go into Parliament. Um, I'll stand my ground there. Health workers have actually contacted me through my Facebook page and said, you know, we've got no choice. We have to have it. The federal government has a rollout in vaccinations that um, they stipulate um, that is for infectious diseases. Yep. And, you know, we're talking measles, mumps, chickenpox, rubella, these sort of things. Yep. And the states will choose which ones they want to implement to, to workers that have to have this in order to do the jobs that they undertake. Now, our, we don't force people to have the flu vaccination. Now, these are health workers. They don't have to have the flu vaccination. I'm talking about Queensland. I don't know every other state. Yep. I think with this COVID, um, the TGA, Therapeutic Goods Association, they usually take years to investigate before a vaccine or any medication is allowed to be administered to the public, I think the rollout of this COVID is too short a period of time. We haven't got enough time to investigate the effects that it has on people, long-term effects. Yep. Also, the fact is, when I fought to get medicinal cannabis into the country, to start production here, which they have, before it can go on the shelf, because it's got to have a period of time to investigate it. I approached the government, Greg Hunt, about allowing that medication, medicinal cannabis from Israel that had been used for 20 years to be allowed in the country. He said, no, we can't allow that to happen. So why is it allowable for the COVID to come from overseas in a short period of testing and yet we couldn't allow medicinal cannabis?
1: Well, it's a very good point. It's almost like they're picking and choosing, Pauline. Great to have you on the program again for 2021. I look forward to our chats each and every week. Uh, Look after yourself.
15: Same here. Thank you very much, Marcus. Take
1: care. Okay, there she is, One Nation Senator Pauline Hanson. All right, let's go to the open line, 13 12 69, if you would like to have your say. Dennis, good morning to you, Den.
8: How are you, Marcus?
1: All right, thank you, mate. What's on your mind?
8: Mate, I just rung up. I just said to Justin, thank you so much, Esty, for that tribute to Grant Goldman.
1: Oh, you enjoyed that, did you? It was nice, yeah. Mate, I loved it.
8: Yep. Like I said to Justin, I had the pleasure pleasure of meeting Grant that one time and t- took him to the grave of Johnny O'Keefe. Oh, of course, yes. Yeah, and, and I got to know Grant real well over the years, talking to him on the radio. and Mate, it was terrific.
1: Oh, good. Yeah, it was nice to have Manelli in yesterday, and and, and Justin, and her, and Diane, and all of these...
8: And talking to Mike.
1: Yeah, and these people that have obviously worked with Grant, I've spoken to him on a number of occasions, but I I never had the the pleasure of working directly with him, uh, unfortunately, um, because I would have loved to have.
8: He was a terrific fellow, mate. Yeah, well, I know, absolutely I mean, Kathy and I sat in here in tears yesterday listening to it
1: Oh, really? Well, look, I I know that his family would appreciate your call this morning And uh, look, it's been a year and a bit now since we lost Grant But he'll always be remembered here at 2SM I mean, after all, as you know, we're broadcasting from the Grant Goldman studio Which I think is a a fitting tribute
8: Well, mate, I've still got his mobile phone number in my phone And I'm never going to take it out
1: Well, that's good that's I'm leaving good. it in there. All right, mate. Well, that's a nice little tribute of your own.
8: Because I used to text him when he when he got to the point where he could hardly talk. <laughs> yes. I'd text him and he'd text me back. I'm with you, yes. Yeah, so so i am never taking that number out of my mobile.
1: All right, mate. Well, thank you so much, Dennis, for the call. And uh, I know that uh, Justin appreciates your kind words this morning, as will uh, the Goldman family. And look after yourself, Dennis. Thank you yeah. very
8: much. Well, well, Goldie was like a father to Justin.
1: He was, absolutely.
8: Yeah, yeah for sure. All, All right. right, Marcus. Thanks, mate.
1: You're welcome. Have a good day, mate. Brett, are you there? Morning. Hello? Yeah, g'day, Brett. G'day, Mark. How you going, mate? Okay. Uh, what's on your mind? Oh, by the way, it's 18 after 8, after 7 in Queensland. What's on your mind, Brett? Mate, um, I want to talk about,
16: while I can, these mobile detection cameras. Yeah. How the state government... I can't get his name right. Andrew Impotent? Andrew Inconstant?
1: Andrew Constance. In, in, in Is that it? No. <laughs> well, your words not mine, but Andrew Constance, he is the yeah. uh, Transport Minister of New South Wales, yes?
16: One of your callers said yesterday, and you touched on it again this morning, but why the Liberal government in the... or uh, well, the Channel 9 government in the New South <laughs> Wales been so busy with Corona that things are getting swept under the carpet.
14: Yeah.
16: They're, take, they're taking these mobile detections, which I think are a good thing, don't get me wrong, because you hate seeing people speeding Well, everywhere. there's no excuse
1: for speeding. Uh, at the end there of is, the day... There
16: is, there is no excuse yeah. for speeding. Let, let me just let me say to you, yeah. if you're doing 62 kilometres an hour, there's no, to my understanding, there's no lunacy with these. There's no 10% swing.
1: Oh, okay, yes.
16: So I'm saying if you're going down a hill and you, I drive a truck, So if I'm going down a hill and I'm uh, I'm selecting my gear at the top and I'm going down under braking and I'm doing 62, maybe 63 and you can't change gears,
14: Hmm.
16: you're gone. There's no leniency. All I can see with this here now is there's going to be a lot more road race because people are going to do under the speed limit and then people are going to be tailgating them. they're going to be getting aggressive because they don't know where these cars are now. Yep, speeding's wrong. 100% agree with that. But if you're doing 62 or 63... These cameras, to my understanding, are going to pick you up and you're going to get fined. That's yeah. wrong. They don't there's allow no...
1: for common sense or margin of error like, a, say, a police officer with a, a radar could.
16: That's correct. So all of a sudden now, people are going to be going under the speed limit, which is going to cause tension amongst drivers. Mm. That's a fact. Because there's so much road rage now, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Beyond- they say it's not revenue raising, but it's starting to get pushed out. You only see a little bit on social media. It's nothing the government's been talking about because they're sweeping it under the carpet due to this corona. I think it's wrong. All right, mate.
1: Well, more calls like yours, and hopefully somebody will pay attention. Thank you so much for the call, Brett. I appreciate it. Ralph. Morning, Ralph. Good morning, Marcus. How you going, mate? All right, thank you, Ralph. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Yeah, I've rung up to talk about freedom of speech. Right, yes. Yeah, I
17: reckon people shouldn't be afraid of the government so that they won't speak up, and I reckon the government's supposed to serve us and not us serving the government.
1: Well, yes, the government is supposed to serve us. I don't serve the government, do you?
17: I don't serve the government, and I reckon we don't have to bow down and worship the government like they are our God, and we don't have to bow down to the government that wants to ignore the ivermectin COVID killer.
1: Right, okay, you mentioned that word, uh, and I'm not going to continue with the conversation. All right, Ralph, um, yes, there's freedom of speech and there's being responsible, and I'm not going to talk about a, a drug that is not being used... To treat COVID. All right, mate, thank you. 131269, the telephone number to have you say. Marcus Paul in the morning. 131269 is the number. Now, if you want to send me an email, you can do that. MP in the morning at 2sm supernetwork.com.
0: Now on Marcus Paul in the morning. Talking all things tech, Trevor Long. Thanks to EFTM.com. Okay, 22 minutes after eight.
1: Time to catch up with our tech guru. Uh, he was wonderful on the program last year. He's he's so good. He's wanted by media outlets right around the country, including uh, the Nine Network's Today show, Trevor Long. Good morning to you, Trev. Good morning, Marcus. And Happy, happy New Year. Yeah, you too, mate. How have you been? Yeah, really good. Uh, pumping through uh, the Christmas and New Year
18: break and... Uh home with the kids now so all good loving life i
1: ah, love it love it all right what about um new year's resolutions any for you on the digital uh front or it front if you like mine
18: is more about just time management i need to be better at organizing my time and getting on top of things so i uh, i try to find new little ways to tweak my days tweak my weeks to make sure that i'm efficient that's really my, my goal is to be more efficient all
1: right well let's talk a couple of uh, it gadgetry things volvo limits speed and offers a car for younger drivers restricting their speed even further
18: this is very cool so i mean you know a lot of people would be you know thinking why can any car go over 110 kilometers an hour when that's the speed limit on the aussie roads and, he, and plenty of cars can go over 200 kilometers an hour if you have the space But volvo's limited all their cars to 180 kilometres an hour. doesn't sound like much, but, you know what, it could, could make a difference if someone was going absolutely mad. Yeah. But the more important announcement was that every car they sell from now on comes with a second key that's a different colour. So you've got your, you know, black key, yeah. and the other one's orange. And that orange key can be speed limited by the owner of the car. So oh, let's I say see. you're the owner, yeah. and I can say, listen, the orange key, the care key they call it, mm. that's got a 100-kilometre-hour limit or a 90-kilometre-hour limit. And that can be the key you give the people later, the the kids, the the child, the the irresponsible one in the house, um, so that they are limited in what they can do with the car. So I believe there's more than just speed limit that it will do, but that's the broad principle is here's a second key, but it has limitations. And I love that
1: idea. I do too, uh, because I'm going to be perfectly honest, I think it'll save lives.
18: Yeah, look, Volvo, you've got to be honest, um, you think about Volvo, and most people have this kind of weird obsession with the fact that Volvo's old drivers or they're ugly old cars or whatever, but see, with Volvo's a good-looking car now, and they absolutely have safety at the front of mind. Everything they do is built around saving lives and, and ensuring that, essentially no occupant of a Volvo car dies um, in in a car accident. That's one of their goals. So I think it's 2025. From that point on, any manufactured Volvo from that point on should not result in the death of an occupant.
1: All right, Samsung's three new smartphones launching their flagship devices before the first month of the year is even over.
18: I mean, this is crazy. Normally, I can plan out my year markers. I can say this happens then, this happens there. And normally... Mobile phones are around uh, February, uh, March. There's a big show in Barcelona, which won't be happening this year. As it wasn't last year. And normally Samsung would announce their big Galaxy phone at that point, but they've already announced that late last week, and it will be on sale next week, the Galaxy S21. So three phones, the S21, S21 Plus, and S21 Ultra, um, with enormous screens, if that's your thing. Uh, great screens, great cameras. So uh, the, the top mm. one has uh, five cameras. Um, one, of, one of which can five four on the back one on the, one on the front okay, yes. one of which can do a hundred times what they call space zoom and they had this last year but it was imagine I don't know if you've ever done like zoom photography but when you zoom the long way in every millimetre you move at your end moves like a kilometre at the other end because oh, of the, okay. the zoom yep. so they've actually enhanced the software so that if you're zoomed in on the moon for example at night it actually kind of uses te- technology in the phone to, to lock onto that object so that you can take a photo very right. very nice very, very cool. Pre-orders now are available the 29th of January.
1: And what about price? They
18: start at 1249 oh. uh, The middle range one is 1549 and then the top one starts at 1849 I think it goes up to about 2200 depending on how big uh, you want the memory storage on board. But so that's, pretty, that's pretty on par with both Apple. And also, it's $250 less than the, the same model last year so it actually comes down in price in just 12 months.
1: All right just quickly mate. I've got to go to the news but Telstra's 5G is really ramping up it's now reaching half of the country is that right?
18: That's right 50% of the population now covered by uh, Telstra 5G and they reckon they'll get to 75% by the middle of the year so it's it's truly becoming real 5G now Marcus.
1: Wonderful Trevor where do we go for all of these stories and much much more tech info? Everything's on my website, EFTM.com. Look forward to speaking to you each and every week, mate, uh, during 2021 on the Cheers, program. Marcus. All right, thank you. Trevor Long, who's our tech expert here on Marcus Paul in the morning. OK, we've got the latest news, sport and weather coming up at 8.30, uh, 7.30 in Queensland. My number, if you'd like to have you say, thirteen twelve sixty nine. Marcus Paul in the morning. New government data reveals 103 reportable assaults occur in our country's nursing homes each and every week. Now that's something to scream about.
17: I took her to this particular home on a Thursday. On the Friday I went up and had lunch with her and then I got a phone call at 4 pm in the afternoon to say she's in an ambulance going to the hospital. So I shot up to the hospital and waited for the ambulance to bring her in. She was covered in bruises, her wrists have got bruises and her ankles, obviously they've restrained her. What that darling went
15: through, she was sexually assaulted. Two wrists were broken, oh there was numerous bruises. It was a
1: dreadful thing. Until we have somebody in government with enough balls to turn this ship around, then unfortunately we're going to see horrific statistics like we've seen today.
0: Mark is in the morning.
1: Alright, 21 minutes away from nine, away from eight in Queensland's... Arise. In child protection notifications during the COVID-19 pandemic highlights the needs for a stronger focus on mental health, family violence and housing and homelessness, according to the New South Wales Council of Social Services. Let's talk to their CEO, Joanna Quilty. Good morning, Joanna, and a uh, happy new year to you, by the way. Same to you, Marcus. It's good to talk to you, but this new data is concerning from the Australian Institute of Health and Welfare. It shows that child protection notifications fell during COVID-19 lockdowns, but then rose sharply once they were lifted.
15: That's right. And look, it's really a warning of what we're going to see um, in coming months. We know that... Um, Certainly the evidence tells us that rising unemployment and increased financial stress in households leads to more children being at risk of serious harm. We also know that rising unemployment and increased financial stress is linked to increased mental health issues, it's linked to sharp rises in homelessness, more incidences of domestic violence across New South Wales and also educational uh, disengagement and all of these can also fuel increases in child abuse or neglect so it does become a vicious cycle and we're very worried that when job seeker goes back to its old rate and job keeper is withdrawn we are going to see these dramatic increases in you know some quite serious social problems and we need urgent action
1: to address them well by June 20 21, so halfway through this year when JobKeeper has ceased and if Job Job Seeker returns to its previous rates, there are concerns that some 27,500 more children might be at risk of neglect across New South Wales and that'll be nearly a 25% rise due to increased unemployment with some locations experiencing increases of over 40%, Joanna.
15: Yeah look that's right because you know it's pretty um understandable but that when you are under a lot of financial stress if you um are unemployed and you're worried about what's going to happen in the future when job seeker returns to its previous rate or if you're um, you've never experienced disadvantage before but all of a sudden you've been thrown into that situation because of the pandemic it does mean there are less resources in the household to direct towards children there's less capacity to be focused on their care and well-being. So not surprisingly, we see more children at risk of serious harm because of the issue of neglect. So we really need to be, A, lobbying our federal government really seriously and really hard to keep job seeker at a rate that keeps households out of the poverty line or above the poverty line, And we also need to see increased investment in a social service system that's going to give people the support they need, be that for mental health issues, for domestic violence or housing assistance. We know that, you know, we do have a housing crisis um, across New South Wales that's been there for a long time.
1: Yeah, I... um I came across something very sobering in the last week or so. I've been uh, getting public transport into into work um, because I'm starting a little later and finishing later at the moment. And I was amazed walking along George Street in Sydney, Kent Street, Pitt Street, to see uh, so many younger women who are homeless. I mean, they're there with all their belongings. Some have uh, pets by their side. And and I'm just amazed. I'm thinking, how have we got to this point where young women, and these women would be probably in their late 20s, early 30s perhaps, maybe even a little older than that, but they're homeless and they're living on the streets. Yeah,
15: it is a very distressing sight. And I think particularly during the pandemic, when we knew it was a health risk for people to be sleeping on the streets, and thankfully we did see our government really rise to the challenge and they moved heaven and earth to put people into temporary accommodation and to keep them safe and many of those have now moved into permanent accommodation but i think there is still this underlying problem and as i said with job seeker going back to what it was we are going to see an increase in homelessness and what you've noticed on the streets is really just the surface because a lot of people will be happening out of sight they're either Mm having to stay with family and friends, they're couch surfing, they might be in their car. Uh, you know, there's a whole range of really inadequate situations that people um, end up in um, that are not necessarily visible, but are really highly concerning. And as you say, in the 21st century in a country like Australia that's, that's pretty wealthy, um, it's, it's disturbing.
1: Yep, it certainly is. Joanna, it's always good to talk to you. Let's continue this conversation. I I, That would be great. I worry that it's going to be a difficult year for homelessness and, and, you know, the risks are very real. These figures need to force more action from our political leaders because there's a real concern that it'll only get worse after economic supports are wound back in the coming months. Uh, Unfortunately, we know that there is a link between child protection notifications, unemployment, financial hardship and resulting increases in mental health, family violence, housing stress and homelessness. It's a very tough road to hope. but we'll we'll try and do it together and, and try and just uh, shed some light yeah, on these fantastic. issues.
15: fantastic. That was very well said, Marcus. Thank you for that. We want you on side, so that's
1: good to hear. All right, Joanna, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Good to talk to you, Marcus. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, there she is, uh, NCOS CEO Joanna Quilty. And the figures do highlight why an urgent focus is needed to tackle disadvantage, particularly as vital supports like JobKeeper and JobSeeker are wound out.
0: Now on Marcus Paul in the morning. The Queen Bee of the newsroom, Diane Coveney-Garland.
1: Well, here she is. Hello, Daisy. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Now, yesterday, of course, we didn't uh, have our regular catch-up because uh, we had a wonderful tribute to the late, great Grant Goldman, but now I've got you alone mm-hmm. and by yourself. How was your break?
19: It was fabulous. It yeah. was fabulous. Uh, the highlight went camping yeah. with a friend and our two boys, mm-hmm. um, and we stayed at a caravan park, yes. and it rained, and one, oh. one of the, <laughs> my, my 12-year-old <laughs> didn't want to go camping, right nor wrong. Oh. Anyway, we had the best Time it was just it rained and they got a little bit wet in their yep, tents and yep. but they had their little two person tent the boys sure. and um, and it was great we went fishing they caught little fish and nice. that was just you know and out See, near the water and it was just nice just um, no no tablets or phones or computers just outdoors These outdoors are the
1: things uh, memories will be made. From uh, situations like this, kids will always remember these adventures rather than what video game they played at that age.
19: Mm, Exactly, and the caravan park where we stayed, they had a it's it's a yearly event, and and we've never stayed there before or anything like that. And they have a cricket game, so it's it's all you know males to a certain age, and then it's the um, the girls and the the old old people <laughs> so so basically you know any anyone over a certain age male yeah, yeah. or female and the girls and um and the girls lost but we had a great time playing yeah. how did I mean? you go how's um, your form yeah well mine wasn't much good my friend she scored 20 and they wow. retired her and um what? i said have you played cricket before and she said no but i used to hit tennis balls you know <laughs> whack tennis balls yeah. but it was good fun and um and the kids and for my my 12 year old he was just mm. absolutely over the moon about that game couldn't wait yeah. there was people People of all ages from all different backgrounds. No one knew each other except for, you know, regulars at the caravan park. Sure. But what a fun time. And it was just outdoors. wasn't expensive. We took all of our own food and nice. did all of that. And, yeah, did you have Barbies um, as well? Yeah, we did. We did. We had pancakes for breakfast oh, one day and bacon it. and eggs the other day. And oh, then lovely. we, you know, cooked on the barbecue and stuff. But it was just, mm. just, you know, so much fun. So next time we might go for a little bit longer and see how we go.
1: I love it. All right, Diet. Well, th- welcome back.
19: Thank you. How was your break, I should ask?
1: Uh, well, it was good. Uh, disappointing in a way, uh, but then again, everyone's in the same boat, so I'm not looking for sympathy, but again, I was shattered that I couldn't go. I had it planned. That's the fourth time now yeah, it's tough. that I haven't been able to get across the border. Mm. People say, oh, you know, you can go into quarantine. Well, it's a little difficult in this job.
19: Well, well look, it is. And my dad's in Brisbane and we mm. had the same thing. He said, oh, I don't think you should come up. And I said, well, I'm coming. <laughs> <laughs> and then they closed the border, so yeah. I didn't go. But, you know, that's, that's it's how it happens, isn't it? No,
1: but apart from that, it was nice. It was mm. nice just to, uh, again, turn off. And and, and not wake up
19: at 2 o'clock in the morning for a change. Well, that's
1: important as well. And, of course, importantly too, um, you know... I could just relax for a week or so although by the second week I couldn't help myself I was back on social media I was back cuz there was so much happening Oh I noticed <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like a kid in a candy shop missing out on all these <laughs> big events All right Daisy we'll talk to you again Thank tomorrow you. and we'll hear Diane during the news on the John Laws morning show from 9 that's not too far away All right I need to take a break when we come back Christina in the capital
0: Now on Marcus Paul in the morning <laughs> The latest from the capital with Christina Rosengren.
1: All right, it's uh, now seven and a half minutes away from nine. Christina, good morning to you.
20: Good morning, Marcus.
1: All right, the tourism industry is calling on more support from the Commonwealth amid speculation the international border is unlikely to reopen this year.
20: Yes, the Health Department Secretary, Brendan Murphy, he told the ABC yesterday that he can't see the international border opening anytime soon. And that's even with a vaccination program. And uh, so in response to that, the uh, CEO of the tourism and transport forum, Margie Osman, says there's no way that domestic tourism can fill the gap left behind by inbound international travel And the comparison she made was that an average Chinese visitor to Australia spends around $8,500, while the average Australian spends $1,500 on a domestic holiday. So the tourism industry is calling for more support, and especially with JobKeeper ending in March, of course. Treasurer Josh Frydenberg is remaining quite firm. However, he says there won't be any extension of JobKeeper or support. And he's uh, trying to say that the government's already given millions of dollars to the industry. And Hmm. the industry's response to that is that, yes, there has been a lot of support, but with the pandemic dragging on and the restrictions dragging on, more is definitely needed.
1: A new analysis shows the government isn't making good on its promise to implement the recommendations of the Banking Royal Commission. Where have we heard this before?
11: (laughs) Yes, we have definitely heard this before, but uh, this is a new analysis
20: completed by Guardian Australia. And it says that 44 of the 76 recommendations from the Banking Royal Commission are yet to be implemented. That's more than half. And then there are another five which have been abandoned entirely. So Treasurer Josh Frydenberg maintains that more than 70% of the recommendations requiring action by the executive government have been implemented since he first received that final report about two years ago. Uh, But obviously this analysis is different. And the discrepancy here is that because... Uh, there are some recommendations that are still in legislation, which is currently before Parliament. there are some which are supposed to have been implemented last year, but nothing's happening yet. And some have been legislated, but the regulations aren't in place. And, and then some have been delayed by the pandemic. So Mr. Rutherford says action is being taken, but in yep. reality, the progress isn't really all that amazing. And then, of course, there are five cases in which... Uh, recommendations have been ditched entirely. So, you know, considering there was so much misconduct uncovered in this Royal Commission and the strong response to bringing financial institutions to the line doesn't really look like it's happening yet.
1: All right, and finally, confidential documents have revealed the Reserve Bank believe the legislated superannuation rate rise could cost workers an increase in wages.
15: Yes, so wage growth is very
20: low at the moment. That was outlined in a report released by Deloitte yesterday. It says that a it could be five years before wage growth returns to the pre-pandemic level of 2%. And we also haven't had wage growth return to the 4% experience prior to the global financial crisis, which was, of course, more than a decade ago. So wage growth hasn't been necessarily strong yes. for some time. And these are confidential documents from the Reserve Bank released under Freedom of Information show that the... The central bank believes that wage growth could be hit even more Mm -hmm. if the legislated rise to superannuation contributions does go ahead. So the amount that employers have to pay their workers into their superannuation accounts is set to rise by half percent in July, as we know, and it will eventually climb to 12% in 2025. Uh, But the Reserve Bank forecasts that up to 8 out of every $10 of future wage rises could be wiped out with this rise. And as a result, the bank has revised down its wage growth forecast from mid-2021. The Australian Institute of Superannuation Trustees has hit back at this, though. It says uh, there's no evidence to support a trade-off, and also uh, the forecast that the Reserve Bank has made are based on the work of just one think tank. So it's a bit of a tug of war here still.
1: All right, Christina, thank you. We'll hear your reports today across the Super Radio Network. Look after yourself, and we'll chat tomorrow. Thank you. All right, Christina, in the capital, Marcus Paul in the morning. News next.
0: This is Marcus Paul filling in for John Laws on the Super Radio Network. Okay, good morning
1: and welcome to Tuesday, January 19, 2021. It's great to have you company. Let's talk Australia and let me know what's on your mind. My telephone number 131269 if you would like to send an email mp in the morning at 2smsupernetwork.com. And you can send us the text as well, 0458 049 209. This program is all about the news, but more importantly, we like your views. So get dialing. thirteen twelve sixty nine to have you say. Marcus Paul in the morning. There's plenty of news around on this Tuesday morning. The tourism industry is pleading for billions of dollars in financial aid after being told international border closures would likely remain in place for most of this year. The Health Department Secretary Brendan Murphy said there wouldn't be a return to normal travel for the foreseeable future but cautioned against making predictions beyond three months into the future. Now, the Tourism and Transport Forum says summer would usually bring with it $5 billion in tourism spending, but operators had seen that number drop by $3 billion this year. Well, it's hardly surprising. The New South Wales Treasurer and the Premier have said the state is losing $180 million per week thanks to the ridiculous domestic border closures. We're recording between zero and ten cases per day. Yet those Premiers and Chief Ministers that run other jurisdictions continue to lock New South Wales visitors out. Gladys Berejiklian yesterday reiterated her frustration, saying there are currently no hotspots in the country under the Commonwealth Government's definition of the word hotspot. Give me a call, let me know what you make of that. In good news, though, the Federal Treasury says Australia will bounce back well from the fiscal implications of the pandemic. A report by Deloitte Access Economics painted a rosy picture for our recovery here in Australia, even before the prospects of a vaccine. And Treasurer Josh Frydenberg says there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Let's just hope it's not a train, Josh. Now, elderly people in Australia are likely to receive the Pfizer vaccine despite reports of deaths in Norway. Leading federal government advisor, Professor Alan Cheng, says there are also reported cases of anaphylaxis, but they were in people who were prone to allergies. Now, he says Australia could expect about one bad reaction per 100,000 shots. So we have to prepare for that. But the benefits seem to outweigh the potential side effects. Do you agree or disagree? That's with leading federal government advisor, Professor Alan Cheng. Meantime, Australian of the Year, Shane Fitzsimmons, has thrown his support behind a nationally recognised Indigenous language rendition of the national anthem to be learned by the nation. The former New South Wales Rural Fire Service Commissioner made the comments in his Australia Day address and off the back of Australia's rugby test against Argentina, uh, during which the anthem was sung in both Darug language and English. Now, I think it was a remarkable moment for Australia. The rendition was amazing, spine tingling, in fact. And I have no problem with Mr Fitzsimmons' suggestion. Do you? Give me a call, let me know. All right, the United States Capitol was briefly locked down over a security fear in the lead-up to President-elect Joe Biden's inauguration Tomorrow Our Time. Witnesses reported seeing smoke rising nearby, and it turned out to be a small fire several blocks away. But I think it shows very clearly the fact that the United States is on edge. The FBI will vet National Guard troops ahead of the inauguration, and America is well and truly on alert. Jeez, I hope... We don't see a repeat of the violence that our Prime Minister Scott Morrison has condemned the grip the capital last week saying the words that incited the riots were very disappointing. But of course the PM stopped short of pointing the finger at who said what words that incited that violence. He obviously doesn't want to get anybody offside while that person is only a couple of days left in the office. In good news for far north Queensland and Cyclone Kimmy has weakened and seems to have made a U-turn the weather bureau says it's now unlikely it will le- reach land, which is good news. Although there will be some strong winds and heavy rain that'll lash areas between Cairns and Townsville. Now the arson squad, arson squad that is, is investigating 10 suspicious fires across Perth. Fires have been ravaging parts of Western Australia, with the Oakford fire destroying multiple structures, burning through 280 hectares, and now being treated as a little sus. And in sport, in the cricket, Australia and India will head back to the Gabba today for the final day of the force test. Rain stopped play early yesterday. Australia needs 10 wickets today to regain the Border Gavaskar Trophy. But will the weather have the final say? It's not looking good. And in tennis, well, well, well. The Australian Open, still in a chaotic mess. There are now six virus cases in the Australian Open players and crew who've arrived from overseas, and there are around 70 people in hotel quarantine at the moment. Now, as we said yesterday, some of them need a very big reality check. Novak Djokovic's listed demands yesterday was laughable, and thankfully he was quickly shut down by the Victorian Premier Daniel Andrews. He's acting like a brat. Not Andrews, but Djokovic. Just because you're a sporting star doesn't mean you get special treatment, and even if you're a soft porn star. Well, I'm sorry, not my words, but the words of the newspaper today. I mean, vegan food, video games and yoga. Life is tough in hotel quarantine for tennis brat Bernard Tomic and his so-called soft porn star girlfriend, Vanessa Sierra, Who complained about her time in five-star isolation yesterday? What the hell is she doing there anyway? Isn't Bernie supposed to be preparing for one of the biggest tennis matches of the year or tournaments of the year? And this broad's there with the fake lips, fake tits, and all the rest of it, complaining that, well, normally somebody washes my hair for me, and I have to wash it myself. I don't know how I'm going to cope. Spare me, hey? Anyway, if you want to have your say, 13 12 69, the telephone number. Want more
0: news and genuine talk on the radio? Then stick with us. Got plenty up online uh, for you to peruse through as well.
1: You can send us a message this way, all the ws2 dot 2SM Just click on my page, Marcus Paul, in the morning. Let's get to your calls. Good morning, Susan. How are you? Oh, good morning. I'm not oh, going to spare you. On. You're
4: not going to what? I'm not going to spare you, said spare me.
1: Oh, okay. All right.
4: I'm not going to spare you. All right. What are you going to do? You've you've, got to take notice, please. You're creepy-looking Berejiklian and all (laughs) Polly's, actually. You know, they have a downer on anti-vaxxers. You know, uh, here we go. Not all of us... Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, will follow the ignorant, uninformed, and naive leaders. Well, I you disagree. Know.
1: Hang on, I disagree with you, Susan. Are you saying that the chief health officers, the medical uh, experts that are advising the government, are ignorant and uh, and not learned? Come on, well, that's not I'm true. What I'm
4: saying is, what I'm saying is, this is still a free country. Yes, and and many anti-vaxxers just want to sit back watch, wait and listen for facts and figures. And another thing too, Marcus, yes. age has given us that privilege.
1: Well, that's true, but the other risk you take, of course, if you don't take the vaccine when it's readily available, is that you'll get sick and die. It's up to you, Susan. But, but the thing is,
4: it's a free country yes. and it shouldn't be uh, imposed on us. If We, we won't just... Some people may choose to sit back and want to wait, watch for figures and facts. And and apparently they're starting, they're very starting to slowly roll in, aren't they? When you've got something like 30 people dead over there, Um, even if they're frail, it doesn't matter. The figures are Starting to slowly roll in, you know. I think that I think that uh, a lot will choose to to not take the vax until there's more uh, evidence available that it's actually safe. Because none of us, I don't think anyone wants to go to an early grave. No, that's true. All right, Anthony, are you there? Yeah, Marcus.
21: Good morning. Hi, Anthony. Yeah, um, before I get in what I want to say, um a caller yesterday was saying that um when he was on hold waiting for he his turn to talk, he couldn't actually hear the other hear you talking to the other person.
14: Right.
21: And the same thing then I could I think you were talking to Susan but I couldn't hear a word of what she was saying, which All is right. a shame. I always find her um calls quite um entertaining
1: all right well again i i don't control the uh uh, the it around this place but um it's been noted and i think they're going to try and do something about that but you wanted to talk about border closures vaccine deaths in norway what did you want to say
21: well with the border closures um i I live out regional new south wales we've never had a case here ever yet we're still an amber zone as far as Victoria's concerned. It's ridiculous. Can anyone explain to me why?
1: (laughs) Well, because uh, they're overcautious down there in Victoria and Dan Andrews has obviously uh, been empowered by uh, the way that his states, I guess, crack down on the number of cases of COVID-19. He doesn't want to put uh, Victorians through that again and that's why he's being... Well, some might say overly cautious. I think it's probably a little bit of an overreach. But then again, I'm not an expert. Uh, I'm not a medical expert. Uh, I can have an opinion on it. My opinion is that uh, we shouldn't have any border restrictions in place.
21: Well, I agree. With you. Like end of the day, <clears throat> back in 1901, we became a country, and it seems to me at the moment we've gone back to bloody five colonies and a um, and a territory.
1: Oh, well, there's no doubt, mate, that federalism has failed. I mean, that's one thing that's been very, very clear during COVID-19. Federalism has failed. The Prime Minister, even though he's, he's called that joke of a national cabinet together, no decisions really have been firmly made from it. And he's, again, let premiers just go their own way. And I don't quite understand it. The, the Prime Minister has the power to override, even if he does, you know, uh, speak to the uh, attorney generals etc he's got the uh, the power to try and override the states i just don't think he wants to um because it may be politically damaging for him uh, at a federal level
21: yeah well that was the other point i was going to make i was saying our prime minister needs to possibly try and pull the premiers in the line but yeah he seems very reluctant to do so
1: Yep. All yep. right, mate. We have a wonderful day and I appreciate your call. 13 12 if you would like to have you say. Marcus Paul in the morning. By the way, Lawsy, we'll be back on Monday, February the 1st. Yes. Hello, Jim. Are you there? Yes. Hi, Jim. What's on your mind?
17: Susan's on everybody's mind, mate, but uh, (laughs) she went on and on about the the free country and how we don't need to have needles or anything. She's got a very short memory. Um, My memory goes back to the days when we were compulsorily injected to get rid of tuberculosis and poliomyelitis, Mm. and it was effective. We don't have those diseases now. And it was a compulsory thing. There was no freedom of choice. You had to go and have the compulsory chest X-rays, the MAN tests, test. Uh, all the kids in schools were done. Uh, the same with polio uh, when the Salk vaccine came out. And we have effectively lost those diseases.
1: Well, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I was told very early on by my family that had it not been for the polio vaccine... I wouldn't be here. My sisters wouldn't be here. My father wouldn't be here. Uh, He was treated for polio. He was was very sick. It was
17: a very serious disease, and it was knocking kids off and making them crippled. And, you know, this has happened before. Uh, I lost a brother who uh, died during scarlet fever epidemic. And uh, I think Susan should wake up to herself and say, right... These idiots who are not going to get the best treatment available uh, really don't have any compassion for the other people that they may infect.
1: Well, that's right. It's very serious. And it's also, in my opinion, quite, well, selfish. Uh, Of people to not take it Well it's selfish to not take it seriously Okay if you don't want to be vaccinated That's fine but you run the risk I understand that Uh, It is a free country And people are free to not get the vaccine I would suggest that they do Uh, And if you do get COVID-19, then God help you. But besides that, if you want to work in certain industries, that is with the most vulnerable people while there is a pandemic on, then I'm sorry, you're going to have to get the vaccine because it's not your right to place everybody else at risk.
17: Well, I agree with that. And uh, I'll be in to get the, the needle as soon as I can.
1: All right. Well, thank you so much for the call. I appreciate it. Good. Look after yourself, Jim. Thank you very much. Hello,
22: Bob. How are you? I'm very good, thanks, Marcus. Uh, I agree 100% with the last caller and your comments there. Mm. Yeah, I, I'm a practical person. I take a vitamin tablet. So I'm very healthy. I take a vitamin tablet every day. When I went overseas, I had smallpox, cholera injections and that sort of thing. But what I found on our international airlines... I end up in London with a cold because of the air conditioning in an aeroplane. Now, I'll refuse to get on a plane if I think that if, if it's not compulsory to have a, a in, uh, to be vaccinated. All the passengers and all the crews should be vaccinated.
1: Um, Well, I think we're we're heading down a very difficult road here because I can guarantee, almost guarantee, um, to be honest, Bob, that international airlines, all airlines will follow the lead of Qantas and ensure that all their passengers are vaccinated because they'll be concerned about uh, any ramifications if somebody does contract COVID-19 on their aircraft and then suddenly unfortunately passes away. I mean, they're not going to deal with the possible um, consequences of that. Yeah, the repercussions yeah. of it, absolutely.
22: Yeah, but my, my son's a, a pilot with Qantas, you know, like... Uh, and he, he's he got to self-isolate when he comes, comes back to his... Um, he's got to, you know, like...
1: Well, they've got procedures in place, Bob, and I think, importantly, there is a duty of care, uh, not only for passengers but also for staff of Qantas and other airlines, and uh, you can only hope that they're doing the right thing in relation to that. Thank you for the call. G'day, Ross. How are you, mate? Uh, Good. Uh, Mate, how are you, (laughs) Mark? Good, thanks, mate. Good. What's on your Uh, mind? Listen, I
23: I heard you talking earlier this morning about uh, speed cameras and how they've... uh uh, they're, they're going to unmarked
1: vehicles. Yeah, that's right. Uh, a caller this morning, a truck driver was a little concerned because, uh, and I'll just repeat it for those who didn't hear it, a truck driver this morning, called my breakfast show, was concerned by the fact that there's no margin of error. And, and trucks, you know, they can't... Whereas if a police officer is standing there with a radar gun, he can use his common sense. There's a bit of margin of error there. And if you could see that a truck obviously is having a little difficulty pulling up from... 80 to 60 just like that well then yep. he can use his uh, well you know he can basically just have a little bit of leeway provided and use common sense but the cameras don't do that
23: no well what i wanted to let you know about i i lived up on the sunshine coast for 13 years and about seven years ago up in queensland they did the same thing they went to the unmarked vehicles but what they did after that They tried to book people for what their speedo said in their car, not what the actual speed was the car was doing.
1: Mm, Okay.
23: I don't know how that works. (laughs) I got nabbed. (laughs) I got nabbed. I was doing
1: 63 on my GPS. I got nabbed for 69. Well, how does that work? Something's out somewhere, and I don't think it's your GPS.
23: no, it has been since 2005. They've been adding, five, uh, what is it, 7% to uh, everybody's speedo to try and get people to slow down. Well, I'm they sure shouldn't I'm be doing along that. The... Well, they shouldn't be, but they, they have been every new car. Like, I'm sitting in a brand-new Nissan Qashqai at the moment, yeah. and according to my GPS, when I set the car at 100 kilometres an hour, mm. according to the GPS, I'm only doing 93
1: Right, okay, well, no wonder people are being caught. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah,
23: it's, uh, Yeah. I just hope they don't do it down here. They they did it for a short period up in Queensland, and they, uh, I think a couple of people took them to court over it, and uh, they dropped it. So um, I just hope they don't do it here.
1: Yeah, it's a little shifty. All right, mate, thank you so much for the call. Thanks for no letting worries, us know. No worries, Marcus. You have a good day, yep. mate.
0: Bye-bye. Yep. Thanks. genuine talk on the radio this is Marcus Paul in the no morning. jab, no way, exclusive pub band plan for anti-vaxxers
1: tell you something mate, this COVID is a thing that keeps giving and I think they're just
2: pumping it for as much as I can because while that's happening They're just doing what they want to do. It's a
1: distraction, Jeff. You're absolutely
0: right. We're bringing you all the news and the views. Marcus Paul in the morning.
1: All right, I see that major international airlines will pick up the slack caused by Emirates indefinitely suspending flights to Sydney, Brisbane and Melbourne. The carrier abruptly announced last week it would stop all flights to Australia from Dubai as of today, except for a twice-weekly service to Perth. But the loss of four to five flights a week would not be felt by passengers long term as capacity under the current international arrival caps has been allocated to other airlines. Acting Foreign Minister Simon Birmingham said the seat capacity had predominantly gone to Etihad and Qatar as they already had similar routes. Anyway, they say they continue to create opportunities to get people home in a statement emirates said the flight suspensions were due to quote unquote operational reasons and that it regretted any inconvenience caused affected customers should contact their travel agent or emirates contact center for rebooking options well you can't rebook if you can the service can you Earlier this month, international flight caps in New South Wales, Queensland and WA were slashed by 50% until February 15 due to the threat of the new highly transmissible strain of COVID-19 from the UK. Was it any wonder that Emirates have decided, well, sorry, if you're going to cap the amount of people we can fly from Dubai, from the Middle East into Sydney and Melbourne and Brisbane, well, then we're just not going to do it. It's not economically viable for them, obviously. It's come through from Dennis regarding Robonet. If you want to send me an email, MP in the morning at 2SM supernetwork.com. I heard a bloke yesterday on TalkBack and I would like to back him up 100%, Marcus. He said that the Netherlands government have resigned en masse over the scandal where letters were incorrectly and illegally sent out to mothers claiming they had owed money over childcare payments. They are held accountable, but not here. In Australia, Scott Morrison automated RoboDebt. He was told that it may well be illegal, but ignored the warnings. There are reports of suicides to which RoboDebt may have contributed, but the government refuses to acknowledge that such suicides were caused by the scheme. I believe that the government does not dispute the report that over 2,000 died when RoboDebt was rushed out, However, what they do dispute is that it is not known how many of the deaths were linked to the distress caused by the scheme. They also dispute that it is not known how many of these deaths were suicides. I'll leave it to your listeners to decide. All right, Dennis, great email. Thank you. All right, Daryl, are you there, mate? Daryl? Hello, Daryl. Didn't hold on. Chris, are you there? Uh, Chris, are you there? All right. Uh, guys, can we please check if these callers are still there? Uh, Debbie, hello. All right, Debbie's gone too. 131269, the telephone number, if you'd like to have you say. Marcus Paul in the morning, 131269. Uh, try and call through again. We'll try one more. Bluey, are you there, mate? Yeah, Bluey.
4: Hello, Bluey. How are you? Yeah, mate. I've just read where in Israel,
24: mm. by the end of June, everybody over the age of sixteen will be vaccinated. Compulsory. In uh, that Israel. Israel. Yeah, mate.
1: Okay. Where did you read this? Um, I might have a look at it. <laughs> in the telly, but it was about a week ago. Oh, okay. All right. No, I didn't catch up with that. Um, Look, to be honest, I don't really read a lot about Israel, but there probably will be a number of countries around the the planet that will make a COVID-19 vaccination compulsory. I don't think yeah. it will be here at Australia, it, apart from the fact that if you you work in industries where people are vulnerable, well, then I believe then that's when it should be. That's my opinion, though. A lot of people disagree with that. I get that.
11: Another thing, Marcus, I yeah. also
24: read that Jamie Packer has bought a house next to the um, Prime Minister of Israel. Really? <laughs> okay. What do you reckon there?
1: <laughs> I don't know. They might be mates. Who knows? All right, mate. Thank you. Bluey, that's a really good Australian name, isn't it? Sean, are you there? Yeah, mate, how you going? Hey, Sean. Good, buddy. What's on your mind?
4: Um, about this pubs and clubs and going overseas, they're going to make you have the vaccine. Mm. My wife has had Gillian Barr disease, and she can no longer get the flu injection. She can't get any vaccine at all because of the potential of killing her.
1: Well, she would be exempt. I mean, I'm sure there so will they be some.
4: They do make an exemption, do they?
1: or well, there will be of course there will be if it's okay. you know if if having a, a covid vaccine is going to to lead to premature death or or you know if your wife has a medical reason for yep. not i mean look let's be honest there are a lot of people who won't get a covid-19 vaccination on religious grounds. There'll be plenty of them out there that won't get the COVID-19 vaccine because their so-called religion doesn't allow them to. So surely if there's exemptions on religious grounds, I'm sure there will be on medical grounds as well. I'm not confident I'll get it either. I'm telling you. No, well, that's fair enough. I, you know, I, I, no. I agree. And look, you shouldn't get it if you don't want to get it. My argument is if you are going to work with vulnerable people... And you could inadvertently pass it on to somebody in a nursing home or somebody in a in a medical, you know, environment, well then I think it's incumbent upon you to do that. I think professionally and morally you should do that.
16: That's probably right. But I I live I live in the bush, so i
4: we haven't had a case up where I am for who you knows how long and I I don't travel overseas anyway. Yeah. And it's I don't think I don't
1: think I would ever again travel overseas after this, just in case. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Well, see, I don't know, mate, but if you didn't, say for instance, you did want to travel overseas and you were going to somewhere exotic, South America or whatever, in order to get your visa, remember, quite obviously, you might have to have some sort of vaccine anyway. Yeah. So yep. I, I don't really know what the difference is. I mean, people are up in arms because it's a COVID vaccine to travel overseas when, of course, on a number of occasions, you need to get a vaccine anyway to protect you from a whole lot of nasties that may exist in that country. So you know, I don't know, I think people just are dead set against having vaccinations. But there are some countries that will not allow you in if you don't have a certain vaccination because they don't want to be held liable if you catch whatever nasty it is overseas. And they don't want to have the uh, the expense of treating you and they don't want to be, you know, deporting your body back to Australia. What do you make of all of that? Give me a call, thirteen twelve sixty nine the telephone number. Pam, good morning, Pam. Oh, good morning. Hello. I'm here I rang
15: you yesterday about the COVID. Right. And I agree with Susan... She's not silly. And I am not going to wear the mask at Creed City.
1: Why is that? Why wouldn't you wear the mask? You told me to yesterday. Well, you should wear the mask.
15: Well, no one else does.
1: Well, they should be wearing the mask.
15: Yeah, but they'll know me by my lovely clothes.
1: Alright, well, I don't give a shit what you're wearing Just wear a mask, okay? I couldn't care less What clothes you're wearing Wear a mask, do the responsible thing And stop putting everybody else's health at risk Otherwise, you're nothing but a selfish woman
0: Marcus Paul in the morning Email Marcus and follow the show on social media by going to 2sm.com.au
1: Alright, well the Australian of the Year Shane Fitzsimmons has no doubt ruffled the feathers of some in the community after throwing his support behind adopting an Indigenous version of the National Anthem. Maybe we can talk about this after the upcoming news. I'll play a little uh, audio of what Mr Fitzsimmons had to say. I quite like Shane Fitzsimmons. As the rural fire service commissioner, he did a wonderful job. He led the country through what was quite possibly one of our most catastrophic events in recent history. And as a result, was deservingly awarded this Australian of the Year Gong. And in yesterday's annual Australia Day Address, he should we he said rather we should have a consistent indigenous version of our national song to be sung alongside the English version. Well I agree. What do you say? Give me a call. 131269 is the telephone number. Glenn, good morning. How are you, mate?
25: Good morning, mate. Yeah, doing well.
1: Excellent, Glenn. I just got a thought,
25: and I wonder why, with the quarantine, people being put in these uh, hotels, five-star or whatever they might be, (laughs) Yes. the cruise ships are not plying their trade at the moment. No. I'm sure that the companies, like whoever they are, if, if they plonk one of the ships 12 miles offshore or however far it's necessary... And use a cruise ship as a quarantine, like they did in the Second World War, they used the hospital ships, mm. and the people were, were taken out to the, the cruise ship, yeah. as long as all the crew were vaccinated or, or yeah. tested negative or whatever,
14: mm.
25: they could have the run of the cruise ship for the 14 days or whatever they have to stay on, on, in quarantine. And uh, they're not a risk to anybody on the land then, are they?
1: Well, no, you're not the first person to suggest this, but I've been told the problem is if we do this, uh, it may lead to further infections from those that don't have it. But I guess we possibly could when a vaccine is available. Uh, you can't do it before a vaccine's available because these things are like floating incubators. I mean, just yes. look at Ruby Princess, et cetera. Yes, but maybe it's a really good idea, perhaps, Glenn, once uh, a vaccine is available and we can treat people offshore, perhaps.
25: Yeah, well, it seems to me to be a good idea, as you say, once the vaccine becomes available. I'll be lining up as soon as the time's right to, to get my vaccine. As yeah, the bank said earlier on this morning, we were all vaccinated as kids at school for polio and scarlet fever and yep. whatever else. We just lined up at school and got a jab, you know.
1: Well, that's right. And uh, look, a lot of people just. Uh, younger people perhaps or those that lived, didn't live through these eras where polio was of a major concern and other other issues uh, you know when government mandated um, testing i wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the polio vaccine uh, i nearly
25: didn't say that before yeah, yeah, nearly yeah it
1: nearly killed my will. father so you know essentially uh, maybe we just need to uh, look i don't think people are, are totally and 100% against it i can understand those who say i just want to wait a little bit i just you know i don't want to be rushing out the door to get it maybe i might wait a few months or 6 months to a year to see you know how people have reacted to it i can un- i can understand that
25: well i live in a nursing home with well, about 50 yes. odd people and i know that, uh, that nearly everybody here everybody i've spoken to is is quite looking forward to the vaccinations because we have a a routine that people, yep. visitors, have to go through to come here. They have That's to show right. they've had a flu vaccine, otherwise they can't come in. Yep. You know? Yep. And uh, I know, I, th- I think all in all, particularly in New South Wales, they've done a, a pretty good job overall. And as a country, we're very lucky. We are. Uh, the Prime Minister perhaps could have been a little harder on the Premiers because they've. I couldn't have told you the name of any of the premiers of some of the states a year ago, but I know them all now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Well said. All right, Glenn, will you look after yourself, mate, and we'll Thanks talk soon. Well, you've done a good job, mate, while the boy's away. Thank you. Well, Lawsy's back on the 1st of February, just a couple of weeks away. Uh, all right, Anthony, good morning. How are you?
8: G'day, mate.
1: Hey, Anthony. I just, um,
16: that uh, politician.
1: What's his name? With the promote Ivermectin Thank God for people like him. I'm sorry. I mean, did uh, you, did I, you I say? Just no. Did name. you hang a on? Minute. Hang on a minute. Did you say thank God for people like Craig Kelly? That's right. Why?
16: But he's no dill. I mean, you're disrespecting him. The man is no dill. He
1: does research. but no. Uh, no uh, you're right. He's not a dill. He's a dickhead and he shouldn't be promoting ivermectin or anything outside of what the current health advice is by the federal government or the state governments. All right, I'm not going to have it, Anthony. Um, Mate, call a different program that allows it. I don't allow it. Okay, I don't allow whack-job conspiracy theories or people without any medical expertise coming on the air on this network, spruiking a whole range of some sort of supposed cures for COVID-19. I just don't do it. I find it irresponsible. And Craig Kelly and others are being called out for it. So why on earth would I broadcast information about it when first and foremost, it's not endorsed by the federal government or any of our leading health experts? Okay. Yeah, I know you can read up on it on the internet, but you can also read up on a, a stack of other things on the internet that aren't good for you as well. Spare me. Sonia, good morning. How are
11: you? Oh, uh, hi. Hi. Hi, Sonia. Uh, Yes, about the uh, national anthem, uh, I think it's a great idea. Yeah. Uh, But the problem you have is that there are many Aboriginal languages and dialects. Which one are you going to
1: choose? Well, I think they would go with the one that was performed, and I'm going to play a little bit of it later. Yes, I I know that, I know that. But I think a lot of
11: other Aboriginal people might say, you know, what about our language? Uh, So
1: that's the problem you have.
11: Uh, I think it's absolutely a great idea, but mm, what are you going to (laughs) do?
1: Well, They're just going to have to suck it up. I'm sorry to to use those those terms. I don't think people will
11: probably go for that. uh, So... All it's right. worth it. It's worth
1: a think. No, absolutely, and I I know that that could very well be a problem. That a number of uh, I mean, look, they've already come out even after it. A stack of them, the usual suspects, the Mundines, uh, the other football players. I can't even remember his name. What's his name? The bloke that played for New South Wales. Ah, it's gone. It's how, um, you know, his opinion. He's a good football player. Most of them are. You have to be a pretty damn good football player to make a first-grade rugby league side, but just stick to playing football, for goodness sake. Um, Because they've already come out saying it's not going to be good enough, even if they do change. The one word that was changed in the anthem wasn't good enough. If we allow the Darug version of Advance Australia Fair for one verse, that won't be good enough. What will be good enough? Well, for some people, nothing will ever be good enough.
3: It's a Zalka sun with sweet identity. I let it in my eyes like an exotic drink. The radio playing songs.
1: be back on the first day of February. And I want to congratulate Andrew Lee MP. Um, Now he's a Labour bloke in Canberra who I think has saved Australians tens of millions of dollars. He's been calling and I've been... um, Speaking to him for months and months and months about this. He's been calling on companies that have been profitable during COVID 19 to return job seeker payments. Well, some of them are, which is great news, and I'll give you the details after the news.
0: Australia's only contemporary news talk radio programme. All the news and your views. Marcus Paul in the morning.
1: Alright, welcome back to the second hour of the program. Thank you for all your emails. I will get to them very soon. MP in the morning at 2 sm Supernetwork.com. Now India, of course, are resuming at none for four. They need 328 runs to win. That is unlikely. All India need to do is hold out until either the end of play stumps or, of course, it rains for them to retain the Border Gavaskar Trophy. We'll keep you updated today across the Super Radio Network on what happens there. Diana's been in touch. She says, Marcus, my husband went to Liverpool Westfield on the weekend and not many people were wearing the mask there. You know, that's probably true um, because I was out Penrith way the other day and I noticed the exact same thing. Not many people around Westfield at Penrith were wearing the mask either. But then again, I was in the city yesterday walking through the Pitt Street Mall in, around the Strand Arcade, had a little look in there, and I also looked in the QVB building. Everybody is wearing a mask. I wonder whether it's because of a policing resources issue. More people are probably being watched by officers in the city than perhaps they are in some of these areas out in the western suburbs. I may be wrong, but I, I tend to think I'm right. Look, Australian of the Year Shane Fitzsimmons has no doubt ruffled the feathers of some in the community after throwing his support behind adopting an Indigenous version of the National Anthem. As the Rural Fire Service Commissioner, Mr Fitzsimmons led the country through what was quite possibly one of the most catastrophic events in our recent history. And as a result, was deservingly awarded the Australian of the Year title. And in yesterday's annual Australia Day address, he said we should have a consistent Indigenous version of our national anthem to be sung alongside the English version. Now, if you cast your mind back to Australia's rugby test against Argentina, the anthem was sung in Darug English, uh, Darug language as well as English, I should say. And it was, in my opinion anyway, a remarkable moment for our country. It was amazing amazing to watch. Spine tingling. What do you think? Do you have a, an issue with the anthem being sung in an indigenous language? I happen to agree with what Mr Fitzsimmons said yesterday. What's wrong with having the anthem sung in the language of the people who occupied this land for thousands of years before English settlers? And as we've mentioned, perhaps one of the only issues with the idea is the fact that there are so many different indigenous languages across different parts of the country. So the first turtle would be deciding which language to choose. But it is a step in the right direction, and I hope Mr Fitzsimmons' calls give the notion legs. Here's a little of what he had to say just in relation to this.
6: I note the national anthem changed only this last month to We Are One and Free, a simple change, a significant change, a powerful and important change in my view. I've also heard a couple of times now in in recent recent months the the anthem being sung in a local Aboriginal language, and it's beautiful. Wouldn't it be wonderful if it were possible to have a nationally agreed Indigenous version that we could all learn and unite in voice and sing together as one, both First Nations language and our English Australian, together as one, singing our national anthem. We are a free nation and indeed a free people, where democracy truly matters and opportunities do abound. To see politicians working with experts and specialists across our public and private sector organisations, industry and business sectors, our volunteers, our charity groups, our local communities. It's simply inspiring and it builds trust and confidence in the nation, in our people.
1: Yeah, so that's a little of what Shane had to say yesterday. Remember this... (music) spine tingling, just wonderful. What did you make of it? Give me a call, 13 12 And what do you think of uh, a revisit, or perhaps considering this as a way to go in the future? The call by Australian of the Year, Shane Fitzsimmons. Give me a call, 13 12 That's the telephone number, Marcus Paul, in the morning. <laughs> All right, uh, an email from has... Marcus, Aboriginal people believe they were a nation way back when. We need to understand that there never was a cohesive Aboriginal nation. Australia was populated by many small tribes that lived within defined areas but never laid claim to the land, as we in the West are used to doing. When Captain Cook and later Captain Phillip landed on our shores, they were met by small bands of Aborigines. They did not represent an Aboriginal nation because there never was one. Well, that's according to Has. Hmm. What do you make of that? Be right. Keith, good morning. How are you, Keith? Yeah, oh, a bit wet up here. Oh, mate, I hope it's wet down there. Where are you, buddy? In uh, Darwin. At the, yeah. Okay, in Darwin. up in Darwin. Beautiful. Yeah. What's on your mind,
26: Keith? Mate, uh, just talking about, um, you know, most of what you've said is correct. Um, you You will never, ever in the history of aboriginal people in australia get a consensus because basically what was said is that there are two hundred and some sixty or eighty yeah. language groups mm-hmm. and within that two hundred eighty sixty language groups you've got so many dialects like you've got um, i'll give you an example in central australia you've got the Aranda people mm-hmm. and they—and you've got the pitinjara, pinabee, lordachar um, you know, a big mob of, of tribal groups that all speak the same language, and then you can cross the road north, go into Yappa, Yappaland, which is, you know, in the stu- uh, mate, and they hate each other. They they've been oh, arguing really? for years that one the pinjaro took his rock off them about a oh, hundred years did. ago. Yep. but and have a look at um, Jacinta Price. Jacinta Price is an Aboriginal lady. Uh, Warren Mundane, an Aboriginal man, and they are proud of their white heritage as well. And yep. they are hated with the Aboriginal people. They call them coconuts. Brown on the outside, white on the inside. You know, Jacinta Price, they refuse to allow Jacinta Price to talk to Aboriginal people in the Tweed up in uh, northern New South Wales a yep. couple of years ago. Yep, Mate, you'll never get consensus because you've got so many half-caste people that Really hate being half caste and hate themselves for it. You've got Aboriginal full-blood Aboriginal people that are quite happy with what's going on in the world, and you know it, it's really hard to sort it. You know, it's
1: all right. Do so you think it's that's too much
26: what... of a problem? Mate.
1: All right. So there will be no consensus. What do I might do, and thank you for the call, Keith. We might try and get in contact with Jacinta Price. I'd send her a message soon to see if she'll come on the program because I'd love to get her thoughts on this, Jacinta Price. Uh, She is uh, very busy these days, of course. She is the deputy mayor now of Darwin. 131269, the telephone number. Noel, good morning. Good morning, Marcus. Can you hear me okay? I got you, Noel. Yes, mate. What did you want to say?
12: Um, We listened to just a couple of minutes ago to um, try... uh, Excuse my ignorance. Who was the, the speaker?
1: Uh, Oh, you're talking about the the gentleman that was making the comments, the Australian of the Year, Shane Fitzsimmons. Yep, that's right. The Um, former New South Wales Rural Fire Service Commissioner.
12: Okay, I totally agree on one point when he said he agrees with the national anthem. He is all for the, the wording being changed. But did he just not throw cold water on that when he suggested we have two national anthems? Is that not throwing a line down the middle again?
1: Yeah, I don't want two national anthems. I personally, this is just my opinion, you may agree, disagree, I wouldn't mind just having what we've heard, and that is, you know, a, uh, a chorus, I beg your pardon, a verse of the anthem sung in, you know, uh, the Dara dialect. I like the version that they sang at the rugby test.
12: So did I, being I'm um, a staunch wallaby supporter, yeah. and I, I liked it. Um, Would it be a suggestion to have, I know Australians, uh, on for one, uh, have never really learnt the second verse Um, Maybe we should all learn that and have one verse as Australian, one verse as uh,
1: Aboriginal dialect Wouldn't it be wonderful if, I agree entirely, and and let's start teaching it at a young age in our schools
12: Yeah, I think that's a good idea as well I can't see it happening
1: well, but I think that's a good idea. I'd love to see it happening, mate. I really would. I absolutely would love to see it happening, but you might be right.
14: Oh, radio, oh, come and see your show. Oh,
0: From Taree to the Tweed, talk back to me. It's Marcus Paul.
1: Lucy, how are you?
15: Hello, Marcus.
1: I hope you can hear me all right. I've got you, Lucy. Yes,
15: Um, From my understanding about the, the vaccines, it, you, the, the vaccine, the COVID vaccine, won't stop you from catching it or spreading it. It will only reduce your symptoms. And I think when they talk about the 90% uh, effectiveness of it, I think they're talking about effectiveness in reducing your symptoms. And I've got a few names here of people I've been hearing who are talking about this, qualified medical people. Professor Paul Griffin from the Mater Hospital in Brisbane said, the vaccine won't reduce your chances of catching it or spreading it, only reduce your symptoms. There's no proof of less transmission of the virus, so I am a little bit nervous.
1: (laughs) Mm. Look, um, I understand, and that's why, um, quite possibly, uh, more testing needs to be done. I think that's why the Prime Minister and uh, our Federal Health Minister, Greg Hunt, have decided against rushing this thing out. Uh, If you're talking about the ones that we've paid for, the Pfizer vaccine, etc., well, yes, um, I respect and understand that medical professionals, Uh, like from the Mater Hospital in Brisbane, are providing their professional opinion on it. I mean, you've got to remember its opinion. The only thing that will really, um, I guess, tell what will happen from any vaccine is once a lot of people have it and there's more and more testing.
15: I understand, but I have more names here also from the World Health Organization, Samir, I can't pronounce her name properly, but I think it's, one in a fan, yeah. he said exactly the same thing. There's no proof that the vaccines will reduce transmission. You can still infect others. The vaccine will only reduce your symptoms. Mm. Also, Dr. Xavier Simmons, a medical bioethicist, none of the vaccines will reduce your chances of contracting the virus. There's a possibility that one or two of them might, and a woman called Michelle Anandra Daraja, said yeah. AstraZeneca doesn't stop you spreading it, and and it goes on. And I'm just saying that... I understand that people want to take the vaccine for their own benefit, but if you are in any sort of position, like, a, you know, in a public situation, it, 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 it's not going to stop you making other people sick, and it's not going to stop you from catching it yourself. It's a personal decision to reduce your symptoms. Uh, so it's a personal decision like any other thing that you take for your own health. But it's not... You're not going to be hurting other people if you don't take it, and you're not going to be heightening your chances of catching it if you don't take it either. And I think there's a little misunderstanding around that.
1: Well, there's a lot of misunderstanding because there's so much misinformation out there and so many people are having their say. Uh, Look, again, I I will be guided by what our federal government says through the medical opinions and experts who combined will advise the government, whether it's the federal health minister and the prime minister or, or other jurisdictions, you know, the state ministers and uh, the chief medical officers from each state. I'll be guided by that. But look, absolutely, when, we, when we're when we talking about the vaccines that we paid for and that we're expecting, absolutely we can uh, discuss what some medical experts are saying about that because that's the one we paid for. That's the one we're slated to have. Uh, and we're not talking about other proposals that are in play. This message from Stephen Hill. Responsibility of this network. Hi, Marcus. Thanks for having the moral fortitude to give those bootheads short shrift when they want to bang on about the benefits of some supposed miracle cure for COVID. As you say, not endorsed by medical practitioners and epidemiologists. Unfortunately... Uh, there needs to be more responsibility and discouragements from others who actively continue to spread this type of misinformation. Keep up the good work, Markus. All right, Stephen. Well, again, I can only do uh, what I do. Uh, by the way, I got it wrong when I said uh, Jacinta Price was Deputy Mayor of Darwin. I meant Alice Springs, of course. Uh, bullfed. I've been on now for five. What, how long now? How long have I been here for? Uh, four and a half hours. Anyway, Jacinta Price, I got it right, she's deputy mayor, but of Alice Springs, of course, not of Darwin. Ooh. All right, uh, I've worked out that while you do this program, and I was told by John that uh, all the trolls come out on the text line <laughs> because they don't have the intestinal fortitude to ring. And have a crack themselves. But all the trolls come out on the text line zero four five eight zero four nine two zero nine. Hey, Dickhead, his name is Latrell Mitchell. Says one of the trolls. Well, I'm sorry. Uh, you haven't even put your name to it. Anyway, um, it's only Latrell Mitchell. All right. I mean, he's no Jack Whiten or Josh Papali. You know, players with ticker and that thing called talent. Ah, here we go, Rockefeller's back for another crack Nah, it's where all the lefty alarmists hang out, you drip Alright, thank you Rockefeller for your contribution, it's wonderful Uh, Here's a better one I think singing part of the anthem in the Aboriginal language is a great idea I look forward to the day when Australians can sing the anthem in Aboriginal Annie, love the show Marcus, love your honesty with the people that call If they're heads, you tell them, (laughs) and I like that Uh, This one as well, Indigenous language for National Anthem, was absolutely beautiful. If so many languages could we possibly have it sung in the language of the hosting capital city in Sydney, it was sung in a local dialect, I believe. I'm a white Australian, but myself would love it sung in some part in Indigenous language. Well, I think a lot of people agree with you on that. Ah, uh, Rob says, Marcus, you're appalling. You're a tool of the highest order. You're a Nazi setup. I won't have it, says Big Marcus. Go away, you buffhead. Keep your head in the sand, you lefty loon. If you are the future of talkback on this station, it's another sign the loonies are running the asylum. Regards, Rob. Well, Rob, how about you give me a call? I might be a a loony lefty, as you say, but at least I have the guts to say what I feel without hiding behind a keyboard like you. Big man, give me a call. 131269, Mary says, Warning, Marcus, what a brilliant idea in regards to the National Anthem, just like in New Zealand. Surely no one could be offended by that. Well, the problem is, in New Zealand, a lot of people have grown up about it. Here in Australia, we've got people like Rob... And because I've started talking about Indigenous folk and the National Anthem, etc., it's like the other day when I mentioned perhaps we could incorporate in some way, shape or form some Indigenous form in uh, an Australian flag. They all came out, all the rednecks, all the racists, all the bigots, they have a good old crack at us. I feel sorry for you, I really do. I feel sorry that you're sitting there listening to the radio being triggered every time somebody says something that might offend you because why? Ugh. Anyway, Troy's on the open line. Hello Troy, how are you? Good mate. Excellent.
21: just want to talk about the Indigenous Australian anthem.
1: Yeah.
21: What are we going to have next?
7: The Muslims want to have their input on this?
1: No, because they're not Indigenous Australians and that's a stupid comment to make. <laughs> And right on cue, he proves my point. What a ridiculous comment to make. What are we going to have next? A Muslim national anthem? You're a moron, mate. What on earth would make you go in that direction? We're talking about Indigenous Australians. Muslim people from the Middle East or from other nations aren't Indigenous to Australia. Or does your pea brain not work that out yourself? Welcome back 13 12 69 The telephone number Scott Good morning How are you Scott? Yeah good Marcus How are you going? Alright thank you Scott Yeah I was listening To your program
27: there I usually listen To John time. Yeah I just Sort of listen there And it just seems Like you seem To be sort of Cutting everyone off There a bit quick And having a go With everyone Yeah
1: uh, not always um, No, what I was referring to Were a couple of nasty emails And the only people I've cut off Are the ones who want to spruik Some sort of conspiracy theory Miracle cure for COVID Because I try to be responsible In my broadcast That's all
21: Yeah, like just having all saying that about national news And if I haven't got all Hang the on, can, show in en- just...
1: Mate, in English Just slow down So I can understand what you're saying <laughs>
21: Mate, I understand it in English
1: No, I can't understand A word you're saying Yeah, why why can't you understand? Because of the way you're talking to me. Can you just slow down so we can understand what you're saying? Right, do you reckon you'll understand this, Marcus? No, I won't, because you're the reason a gene pool needs a lifeguard. I don't know what he was going to say, but I'm sure it was going to be good. 13 12 69 the telephone number if you would like to have your say marcus paul in the morning tony good day, tony how are you uh you've got rod uh is that rod is it all right yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll go yeah, to rod sorry. first and then we'll go to tony yes rod yeah um yeah about this uh
28: dutch government the whole lot of them have resigned mm. the judiciary the public service they're resigning um it's just absolute failure there i think it concerns twenty thousand people here in australia it was what, over 700,000 over a billion dollars of our taxes wasted
1: 1.2 billion dollars uh, was the amount of money that the government settled for because they were afraid in a class action it would cost a hell of a lot more 1.2 billion dollars and it was the prime minister's baby from the get-go
28: from the get-go as service minister treasurer and then prime minister what i'm mainly concerned about is the lack of prosecution of any authority stepping in and actually doing something about it, what is the matter of our country? Where is our judiciary? Where where is our checks and bounds? Where is it all gone?
1: Well, that's a good point. Uh, I think a lot of it. Uh, there's distraction going on because of COVID nineteen. There are things that are getting, uh, well, unfortunately, through to the keeper without too much of a uh, dissenting viewpoint being allowed. The media plays a big part in this. Um, a huge part in this. Well, I'm some sections... Shorten,
28: Shorten has been going after this for a couple of years now. Yep, he has. And he had to take them to court, to civil court, with Gordon Legal, Yep. and and to get this done. Well, they My mm-hmm. member of parliament gets up in parliament and asks a question, in question time, mm-hmm. and they shut them down... I move that this uh, member no longer be
1: heard. I move that, is- that the member no longer be heard. That's, uh, yes. that's, that's been used hundreds of times. Times. And, and it's what, wrong. Yeah, we, we
28: sit here, we talk about Trump, the failure and just the, the absolute nightmare that the Trump is. Look at the Morrison government. I think it's far worse. <laughs> it's sad, yeah, isn't we've it? Got no, we've got no CNN. We've got no Washington Post. We haven 't got any we 've got Murdoch media and that, the hangers on and it 's a tragedy it 's an absolute, and we 're just watching this happen unfold
1: well some of us aren 't a part of the boys club and that 's the problem i 've been speaking to bill shorten i 've been speaking to others about RoboDebt now for well ever since I I, have. ever since I started at this network and it just doesn 't get a run it doesn 't fit the narrative it 's not a part of the agenda and unfortunately you don 't hear a lot about it but I tell you what, uh, I don't think Australians, those who are affected by robo-debt, will be so forgiving if we go to a federal election.
28: Well, we've got a federal police force. Why aren't they moving on this? They know that crime's been committed. I, I mean, it, it's virtual extortion, what has happened. And they know it's illegal, but they can, it's all going to get paid out. I mean, what... I just can't... I can't grasp this. This is just... To me... It's completely out-of-control out corruption.
1: All right, mate. Well said. Thank you. Appreciate the call, 13 12 69 if you'd like to have your say. Uh, all right. The calls are coming in thick and fast now. It's what happens when you get a little cranky on the air sometime, as are the emails, which I love. Dan, this is your last 15 seconds of fame. Okay, Dan? Collusion, jabs, kung flu, Trump being robbed of a landslide. Dan, you are a conspiracy theorist. Stroke nut job. You see, he writes this. You see young Mark. Dan, the name is Marcus. All right, Dan. Anyway, older eyes are all over you. and every talking point, your handlers pass you. Oh, you're a moron. You're a dead set moron, Dan. Nobody hands me any notes. I prepare my show, unlike the joint down the road or other places. I'm not scripted. okay. I write my own notes, dot points, etc. I have one producer who also does audio, and I basically put this whole thing together myself from five o'clock in the morning until I knock off at midday. All right, Dan, so you haven't got a clue what you're talking about. But anyway, you go on to say, we know propaganda when we hear it. What the hell are you talking about? What sort of propaganda are you talking about? He then goes on to say, even old Susan is working you out. There will be no reward for your collusion. Now, cease looking in your rearview mirror for Makin, M-A-K-I-N. What the hell are you talking about? He is his... Oh, are you talking about Dean? Look, Dean is his own man. I'm my own man as well. I'm not looking at anybody. I think it's the other way around, champ. I'm the one with the six hours on air today. All right? He can't even crack a weekend shift at the moment. I'm sick of you people. I really am. Dan? Um, And I like Dean. Although... Unfortunately, he brings out a few of the nut jobs yourself included
29: anyway.
1: oh, can we get on to something nicer? How good is this? I love it! it- Can do it. Why can't we here in Australia?
0: I'm just sick of 2GB, just sick of ABC. Oh, I'm trying to lecture me? I'm just sick of SBS and all the Murdoch press is such a bloody mess. So who the hell is Marcus Paul? What a bloody call! Let's anybody call. They call
1: him up on thirteen twelve sixty nine, and let them say what
27: they're thinking. Just call thirteen twelve sixty
1: nine. All right, Gabrielle, are you there? Yes, Marcus, how are you? Oh well, thanks, Gabrielle. Great to be talking to you. What's on your mind?
30: Well, first of all, I'm a first-time listener. I'm just flicking through. I uh, usually listen to the uh, the other channels down the road, and yeah. Um, yeah, very impressed with the with the fact that uh, you know you. you you don't, you know, sew the company line, as, as, you know, so to speak. But just listening to the, the New Zealand national anthem, and, and as an Australian, it makes me so jealous. You know, every time I, I, I listen to it, you know, in the sporting field or everything else, and I think to myself, you know, they've sort of, you know, come to, yeah, not fully, but they're, they're, they're getting a grasp of, you know, their indigenous, you know, culture that that's so important to, to the people. Well said. And you know. And we we probably understand, you know, one percent of of our of, of our Aboriginal culture, which you know we, we should be proud of. We should, you know, we, we should be embracing it. We should be encouraging them to 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 you know. We should be teaching it as a as a curriculum stream in the schools. I yep, think. Absolutely. Uh, I ask my kids about Aboriginal culture, and they know absolutely nothing about it. And I'm not to say that that I know a lot about it, but um, you know, I, I think it's something that we're. A part of our rich culture that
1: we're missing. I agree. Well said, Gabrielle. Thank you so much for the call, mate. And I look—I'm also one of those who feels a little jealous every time I hear "God Defend New Zealand." It's brilliant. It's—it makes the uh, the hair on your, your your arms stand up. And why can't we do it if they can do it across the ditch? Surely we can. John, good morning.
13: Good there, Marcus. Uh, how are you today?
1: Well, thanks, John. Fighting fit, mate. What about
13: yourself? Uh, good- yeah, Oh, yeah, so-so, mate. I've got a few health problems. Age eh, catching up with me now. And look after but, yourself, mate.
1: Uh, yeah. Look after yourself, please.
13: Yeah, I will. Thank you. Uh, I'm an old St Mary's Penrith boy. Yes. Uh, born at the old Penrith uh, Hospital, the and uh, uh, Philip, Philip Hospital, I think it was.
8: Oh, wow. turned into you're... a
13: nursing, nursing home, and then they built the Napoleon Hospital. And uh, But I was born in the old, yeah, the old one. Hmm. But... Uh, uh, and my some of my siblings, uh, sisters, and uh, my brother, and uh, yeah, so things had uh, changed a little bit around Penrith. And last time I took my children up there it would have been thirty years ago to show Ooh. them where I used to take them for, uh, you know, for a picnic at the uh, the. The Nepean Weir. Oh, yeah. Um,
1: they still got the paddle it, it, wheeler going, though, mate. Um, that's still going on at the moment, John. The, the Nepean the, Bell, the, it's still running. Nepean
13: Bell? Yeah. I went to a wedding on the Nepean on the Bell, actually. It of was gorgeous. one of the best weddings I've ever been to. Yeah. And
1: yeah. One thing that's missing, though, on uh, on the landscape there by the river, do you remember uh, the log cabin?
13: Certainly do. used to have a drink there, uh a lot of Friday nights and then go up to the Lower Blue Mountains to a Chinese restaurant. Yep. Well,
1: it burnt down mate, unfortunately, a few years ago now. Oh, yeah. Oh.
13: Did they rebuild it? No.
1: No, certainly oh, not. A shame. I think yeah. so. Uh, my uh, my parents were married at the log cabin out there on the river. It was beautiful.
13: Oh, sure was. We used to go there a lot when, mm. you know, when we were out of school and got our driver's licence and yeah, that was a terrific, uh, terrific place to grow up, multicultural area. and um, oh, I love when I started my trade in the, in the 1970s. Uh, yeah. I, I worked for King and Lewis Electrical, mm. uh, which my father and his partner owned, and they're still going at uh, offices at Emu Plains now, King and Lewis Electrical. But I moved the electronic side of things up to Port Stephens. Okay, I yep. family up here in um, uh, 1987, 1987. King and Lewis is still going. Up, yep. Uh, yeah, we will see their trucks around, you know, Penrith area. And oh, that. good stuff. Um, yeah, and um, but in the 70s, I do remember my father telling me once, he said, John, if you ever want to find a really honest and truthful uh, person, you, you, you see a, a pure-blood pure Aboriginal person. They'll never tell you a lie. They'll always do the right thing.
1: Yeah, look, absolutely. And that's why Aboriginal elders are held in such high regard, not with not only within their own community, but within uh, non-Indigenous communities. Great to talk to you, um, John. I really appreciate it. Great to reminisce, too, over the old Nepean district out there at Penrith. I love the joints where I came from. It's where I grew up. It's where I went to high school, where I met mates, where I played football, cricket, and uh, Penrith will always... I don't live there at the moment because of working commitments. It's, you know, it's pretty tough to drive in and out every day. Uh, but it'll always, always have a very special place in my heart. Love Penrith. Uh, Dave, good morning. How are you, Dave? Yeah, Marcus. So I sprang um, up I'm pretty through
4: comment about people
1: who disagree charging the Australian flag, etc. Uh, that phone, Dave. Um, you're very muffled there. I can barely understand a word you're saying, and if I can't, listen, listeners can't. Are you, are you able to get to somewhere a little better so we can hear what you're saying? How about how about now? Uh, it's a little better, yeah, mate. Yep. Yep,
2: off yeah, you go. What I'll say, Marcus, I'm a bit intrigued by your comment where you name anyone who disagrees with charging the Australian flag as a redneck racist.
1: Uh, No, I didn't say anybody who disagreed with uh, changing the Australian flag was a redneck racist. I disagreed with the person who wrote me a nasty email, having a crack at me, calling me a lefty and a wanker and all these sorts of things, simply because I mentioned that perhaps it might be a good idea to. There's a difference.
2: I I can can tell you a couple of things there, Marcus, right? I'm, I'm 53 years old this year, so if you do your maths, I was born in 68. Yep. The Australian flag, from from what I can ascertain, and I could be wrong, but I've yep. read it on the internet, yep. was designed in 1971. It's not actually owned by the Aboriginal people, by the way. It's owned by copyrights, owned by
1: one person. Yep, that's right. That's so, another reason why I think it should be uh, included in the Australian flag, mate. Goodbye. At the end of the day, we're not going to agree, so just go away, Dave. Uh, it's written on the screen here that you're angry with me. Well, now I hope you're really pissed off. Hour of the John Laws Morning Show. Lawsy back on Feb one. Jeff, good morning. How are you? Hello, Jeff. How are you? Yeah, good morning, Marcus. How are you? Yeah, good. Thank you, mate. What's on your mind, Jeff?
27: Mate, I just wanted to talk to you. I don't know if any of your listeners um, have had the same experience, but all during the the holidays, Christmas holidays, the eleven o'clock uh, updates from the Premier and the New South Wales um, Health Minister. Remember saying, them well, yeah. Yeah, we're, our testing numbers are down. We've got to get tested. They're going to get tested. So the other day I pulled up at a drive through testing facility yeah. and um, when I ran down the window the lady goes, do you have a, a re- um, referral from your doctor? I, I said no. And she goes, "Do you, are you feeling ill or any side effects? I said no. She goes, well, why are you here? And I said, I've been told to come here by the Premier. She goes, well... You don't need to be here, so um, we're not going to test you. It costs $110 a pop, and they shouldn't be saying that. So
1: I'm a bit confused. <laughs> where, what was the, supposed to do? where was this at, Jeff? Uh, on the Central Coast, New South Wales. Okay, so you went. Tell me where you went. Uh, just name them, because I can't believe I'm hearing this.
27: Okay, it was at the um, Wyong testing facility near the uh, Rugby Leafs Club there. So you went to coast.
1: you went to get a COVID-19 test at the Wyong <laughs> Testing Facility. They told you, they basically asked you why you were here. You said, well, the Premier wants everybody to get tested.
27: <laughs> and that, That's correct, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because I, I called in there, and usually there's a couple of cars there, but it was empty. So I thought, oh, I had the time, I'll go in. Yeah. And uh, basically they said, no, you didn't no need to be here. And the premiers went been telling us every day, go get tested. I mean, I don't know if I've got symptoms or not. I feel all right. But yeah. um, at, that, at that particular time, I was just surprised. And I was just wondering if it happened to anybody else.
1: All right. Well, let's find out. 13, 12, 69. I just find that very, very odd. Thank you for sharing it with us, Jeff. Appreciate it, mate. <laughs> Hello, James.
21: How are you? I'm um, good, thanks, Marcus. And you're looking well, too, I might say. <laughs> <laughs> Not bad for a, uh,
1: an old bloke. All right, mate. What's on your mind, there, James?
21: Um, in the Kiwi, yeah. Answer, and if you. if you mind, if they end up in the king or leader of the whole map, you know, that a few trouble.
1: Oh, that phone, James. Um, can you stand on one leg, put one arm up in the air, and we'll see how we go. Just um, we're, we're losing what you're saying, and I want to hear what you're telling us, James. Just try again for me. Can you hear now? That's a little better, mate. Yeah.
21: Yeah, all right. Yeah, well, the problem with internet here. Um, if you go back in history, from my understanding, is the Maoris had a king or a main leader after a few tribal wars.
14: Yeah, and he made
21: he create he like united all the Maoris, or so, to an extent, I think. Right. And he created the treaty with the British. Yep. And that's why the Maoris basically have the one language. That's why. Uh, yeah,
1: you you gone there on that phone, mate. But look, yes, I don't know. Uh, I'm a little ignorant, I will admit, on Maori culture. But what I have noticed, certainly, there. I mean, we don't live in New Zealand. I do have a lot of Kiwi friends, but there seems to be a lot less division over in New Zealand. Would that be correct in saying? I don't know. Um, But, mate, thank you for the call, uh, and I appreciate it. I'm sorry we couldn't get all of your calls through because um, you were just, uh, yeah, you're fading out there. Uh, Shane, good morning, mate. How are you?
24: Good on you, Marcus. You're sounding well and clear from um, all the way from Victoria, mate. All right. Shane, where are you Uh, in Victoria, whereabouts? Uh, Down on the Mornington Peninsula. Oh, uh, okay, nice. Left, left-hand side of the bay, going sort of where the heads, where all the boats go out, of going into Bass Strait.
1: Mm, all right, lovely. Yep. love. Uh, go on. Yeah, mate. No, I'm, I'm after your, uh, your.
24: I was well, just, go, I was just saying, you know, basically, you know, I was listening. You know, even myself, you know, I go on sometimes, we all have our days, but I think generally when I hear a lot of people whinging and whining and going on about certain things, I think they should look back, if they're Australian, that is, you know, there's a lot of people who aren't Australian in this country, but if they're Australian, just go back in your history and look at those wars and look at the real stories of the real hardship these blokes were doing. And if you really look into it, Marcus, you see they even had a sense of humour. They had an incredible unity. They had an incredible strength. They went through incredible hell. But you know what? They weren't whinging and whining, and they were really putting it into reality what they should be doing for their country of the time. Yep. And they were going through bloody hell in trenches for years, mate, and fighting for other people's countries that had been invaded and people were being exterminated.
1: Yep.
24: All those people, mate, did your forefathers do it?
1: Marcus? Uh, yes. I had a serving grandfather and a serving uncle.
24: Well, there you go, mate. And you gi- there gives you, it gives you a good idea of your culture, doesn't it? And I think a lot of people these days aren't cultured, Marcus. They need, and that's what culture's about—knowing about your history, yes. uh, being uh, proud of it been, yep. you know, standing really tall about that. And, you know, I talk to a lot of people out there, Marcus, because I do a lot of community work down here. And basically, I do ask all the people, you know, what I know there are a few generations of and I say, always, I say, oh, yeah, did you have anyone serve in the war? And they go, Most, and this is just a, a shocking indictment, but, you know, st- studying people, I, I see this, you know, for many years asking this question. I say, and where did they serve? And they look at you blank and they go, oh, you know, i got to somewhere or, yeah, yeah I know, and they've got this sort of like, and then you know what I usually do? Then I usually turn on by asking them a few other questions, like you know who the who uh, discovered Australia? <laughs> These mm-hmm. other questions. Most of them just look at me blankly, but then the last question I usually ask him, Marcus. You know what I ask him? Tell me. Do you know Britney Spears? <laughs> And they all say, they all, their eyes light up and they go, oh, yeah, bloody oath, I know them. And I go, and I, I'll be nice because we're on radio, but I say, yeah. that's got nothing to bar, bar, bar to do with it, mate.
1: Yeah, and that's the to, problem. That's the problem. There's a lot it's of focus. Got to do with you
24: respecting yeah. those blokes who died in those trenches mm. and your forefathers you should never forget until you on your dying bed, mate. Well, true. They fought for your freedom. That most people sit up there in their smart-ass places in this country now? All right.
1: Uh, well, look, the thing is, um, we are taught uh, a lot of Australian history in in secondary school, but I don't think there's a difference between, in my opinion, being taught history and being taught to respect history. There's a wide chasm there, I think. There's a lot of, you know, um, a, a lot of, well, opinion being thrown around in secondary schools and also in universities where opinion basically allows the teaching of our history, but I don't think enough respect is shown to the history. Anyway, that's my thoughts. Maybe you agree, disagree. Give me a call, 13 12 69. That's the telephone number. Marcus Paul in the morning. Genuine talk on the radio. This
22: is Marcus Paul in the morning. Kids in sixth class could run the joint better than them. Fair digger look at the Ruby Princess debacle. Look at every other
1: debacle. All right. Uh, John, John, take a breath. It's OK. I take a breath. I
9: haven't started. You ever want to see the report I'm putting together for this hospital thing?
0: We're bringing you all the news and the views. Marcus Paul in the morning. All
1: right, a couple of emails and SMSs to get through in a moment, but Nate has been in touch with us. If you want to follow us... Just go to 2 smsupernetworkcom and uh, click on my show page, Marcus Paul, in the morning. You can leave a message that way. Nate, good morning to you, mate. Regular people, says Nate, who have no real knowledge of pharmacology or virology need to understand that with vaccines, as with every single other medication in the world, and not only the COVID vaccine, have associated health risks, including sometimes as serious as death which is obviously in an extremely small amount of people. Well, you're absolutely right. It's a minority of people considering proper safety approval from regulatory bodies. A vaccine or any medication that's administered to millions of people with a few dozen deaths should be looked at as an extremely small rate of risk. People seem to forget, Marcus, that some of the most commonly administered drugs in society, such as opioid painkillers, alcohol, cigarettes, etc., directly result in thousands of deaths per year in every country. People need to understand the trade-off of an extremely low number of people acquiring side effects from vaccines relative to the millions of people who are saved from the viruses being vaccinated against. What circulates this irrational fear of vaccines is non-experts misinterpreting data and studies, subsequently posting misinformation online, and the mainstream media utilising the psychology of fear to attract attention and sell their products. Wow, that's almost the email of the day. the email mp in the morning at 2sm supernetwork.com this one from graham very thought-provoking show thank you graham G'day, marcus i like the fact that you don't hold back isn't it odd that if you tell the truth and it goes against morrison then you are automatically labeled a lefty your critics leave a lot to be desired bye for now graham uh well look i don't like the term lefty or even the term right but anyway i'll get to that in a moment Uh, Bob, I just listened to a caller that called in to discuss the Aboriginal flag. He was very articulate and well-spoken. He challenged your position and you felt threatened by his good points, so you hung up on him. Last time I checked, it's talk back and not hang up. Democracy is the right to have you say. You think you're always right, but the last few weeks I've listened to you make mistake after mistake. Oh, I'm sorry, Bob, I didn't realise you were the program director here. Okay. He goes on to say, if you don't have the intelligence, give the microphone to Dean. (laughs) All right, Bob. Whatever, mate. Um, Yes, you're right. It is Talkback, but it's a program that I operate, not you, and I'll operate it any damn way I want. And trust me, when I tell you, Bob, that this is the only Talkback program on the air at the moment, particularly in Sydney, that actually takes callers. And I get through, literally dozens upon dozens of them each and every shift and if I let everybody ramble on for minutes and minutes talking a whole load of rubbish, then Bob I'd probably lose more listeners than you. So off you go. And by the way, for those that do like to to ring up and say oh shooting out now I'm not listening to you anymore you don't need to send me a note telling me that you're not listening. Okay, it's... <laughs> last time I checked, this wasn't Sydney Airport. There's no need at all, alright, no need at all, to announce your departure. Just go.
3: I've been everywhere, man. I cax on my back, man. They say I helped my boyfriend scam. I don't remember a thing, man. But he still got my keys, man. Yeah, I've been everywhere. <laughs> I've been the walk waka 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 waka
1: Now, Bronwyn, that's called satire, having a little bit of humour. I'm sure Gladys isn't offended by it. She's probably heard a lot worse, but, Bronwyn, you want to complain about my attitude, that's fine. I wish you'd call me, but anyway. Marcus, I used to like listening, but now that you have your own show, you seem to have gotten a big head. If anyone has a different opinion to you, you berate them. No, see, again, I don't. I don't berate people with a different opinion, I have a crack at people if they start the conversation off where they're getting nasty with me and they're cranky and etc. And I don't put up with uh, conspiracy theories on my programs, I don't put up with alternate theories on a whole range of issues because I'm a responsible broadcaster. You go on to say you even berate your own colleagues when you come on. No, I don't berate anybody, it's the people like you and the previous emailer that want to mention some of my older callers. or sorry, some of my colleagues. I don't bring them up. You people bring them up. She goes on to say, "Um, I have to turn the radio off living in Newcastle. There's very little AM uh, to listen to. You really have become a lefty. Oh, there we go again with those ridiculous labels. Lefty. There's no such word, okay? Lefty right, etc. It's a ridiculous label given to people who go against the mainstream, that is, who perhaps call out corruption, uh, maybe, who do a little bit of work and research on the mismanagement of money, our money, your money, my money, taxpayer dollars, etc., by conservative governments. Anyway, uh, she then goes on to say, God rest Goldie, he would turn over in his grave you used to love listening to him when we lived in Sydney. Miss him so much. Well, we all miss him, Bronwyn, but I think it's actually very nasty of you to bring up a dead man, Grant Goldman, just to prove your point. I think it says more about you than anything else. Grant was the man who actually appointed me to his show before he passed away. So stop being so bloody ignorant. All right, and this one, <laughs> Lacey. Good morning, Marcus. Is there any chance you could play again a version of the Australian anthem sung in the Indigenous language by a young woman with the most beautiful voice you played earlier? Wouldn't it be wonderful if in the future one verse could be sung in English and one verse in the Aboriginal language? Surely that would make us all very proud. Love the show, Lacey. Well, I agree. Absolutely, Lacey. I'll try and finish the program by playing it for you, OK? OK. Peter, how are you, mate? Hey, good, buddy. Yourself? All right, thank you. Pete, what's on your mind? Mate, just on that COVID jab.
2: mm A couple of months ago, we were at um, isolating in Lismore before the Queensland borders opened. Yep. And um, we went, uh, we got our border pass. and everything. We went to the hospital just to get checked because we were going back to our grandkids and we didn't want to take the COVID with us.
14: Yeah.
2: And we walked into the hospital and went to the the, um, well, the needle place, and uh, the lady said, Have you got any symptoms? This and that, and we said, no. no. And she said the same thing, Why'd you come? There's no need for you to come.
1: Look, I know we're being told that if you have symptoms, you need to go and get tested, but I think there's a bit of confusion out there. People want to go and get tested anyway, to, particularly if you've lived on the North Shore, maybe, you know, in some of those areas where there's been breakouts, Boralla in Sydney or the Northern Beaches, etc. you want to go and get yourself tested. The last thing you want to be told after, I don't know, lighting up, perhaps going in, uh, going for a drive, taking time out of your day to get a test, is be, is to be told what are you doing here when you've just heard the Premier saying we need to get testing rates up?
2: Yeah, well, um, she got halfway through saying and I just put my hand up and said, please just stop there. Um, we want a jab done to protect our grandkids.
1: Absolutely. Well, that's what... Yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I'm going to get to the bottom of this. We'll find out some more information about it, mate, OK? But um, that's the second caller I've had now that's basically told us that they've gone to get a test, only to be told, what are you doing here? that doesn't quite make sense to me, considering we're being told by the Premier and Chief Medical Officers around different jurisdictions that we need to have a COVID test. All right, Sonia, good morning. Oh, good
11: morning. I want to say, Marcus, that I agree with you on a lot of things you're saying today, and uh, that uh, you're not a lefty. I am a lefty, actually. (laughs) Uh, I hate that term, but anyway... I know, but they call me that, you know, so what? Uh, but uh, you, I agree with a lot of things you're saying. I
1: can't understand people bringing up and carrying on. Ah, oh, look, at the end of the day as well, this yeah. is a radio program. Um, I hope it's entertaining. I hope it's keeping people listening. Oh, yes, yeah, a bit of fun. That's it. That's absolutely it. That's what it's all about. <laughs> uh, I mean, I I can be combative, and I like yeah. being combative from time to time. It's an exchange of ideas and That's what right. I what I love more than anything. I'm going to be really honest with you here, Sonia. Yes, and, and, you know,
11: I'm one of the lefties, you know, but I'm willing to listen to the other side of things. I'm willing to listen to the
1: other side. All right, I'm going to play um, very soon, I think, if not today, tomorrow, I'm going to play a little bit of my mate Jordan Shanks. He breaks this whole left-right thing apart, okay? There's no such thing as a lefty. There's no such thing as somebody on the right, okay? He doesn't even like the terms... uh, Conservative, but anyway, I'll get to that. Um, All right, thank you so much. I appreciate the call. Tina, good morning. How are you? Nope, Tina's gone and got engaged. Marilyn, good morning. Are you there? Yes,
15: I am actually, and I agree with a lot of the people. The indigenous song should be played all the time. It was there, lad. I am mixed blood from way back Irish, French, Spanish. My children are married in Italian. I'm as Aussie as they come, but. people are so ignorant our whole society is multicultural and why don't people wake up i'm 75 years of age and i think that they should respect them because every culture has their own ideas and it was their land first and that's all i got to say
1: well said thank you very much appreciate it Now I hope I've got this name pronounced correctly. Is it Sarah Kulmer? Is that right? Yep. Uh, okay. Can you say it for me? Are you? Is it Indian? Yep. Now tell me something.
11: <laughs> which which site am I talking to? Is it AMP? Sorry. Is that an AMP?
1: Who are you after? Who are you trying to? Who are you calling?
11: Oh, I'm trying to call AMP. <laughs>
1: Uh, AMP. Now you've got MJP, Marcus, John, Paul, and you're on the radio on the John Laws Morning Show and that's about the funniest thing I've heard all day. Ah, Oh, goodness me, you wouldn't be dead for quids, would you? Absolutely not. Marcus, Paul in the morning, in for the John Laws Show. One
14: night in heaven, one night in heaven. One night in heaven, one night in heaven in heaven, one night in heaven, one night in heaven, yeah! sometimes I get to thinking while well, you are far away.
1: Morning, give me a call thirteen twelve sixty nine. I don't know what that last caller was about. They were after the um, AMP, though. I know that much. Sam, are you there? Uh, yes, I am. You got a funny story about AMP? What do you want to tell me?
8: Oh, not not, not AMP. I, I used to work um, in a call center for a for a phone company. In oh, okay. I had a had a lady call up one day, and I went through the whole process of identifying her, and obviously. She'd been through the whole phone menu and I'd greeted my greeted the phone call with uh what, what company I work for and yeah. she wanted she wanted to know the balance of her account. Right. And I, uh, I told her it was $60 and it was due in three days or a week or whatever it was. and yes. She just about had a heart attack because she thought she'd called the bank and she expected a $60,000 balance, not a, not a $60 debt.
1: Oh, goodness me. See, I would love to do that, but I, I could have gone on with my AMP friend, but I thought, no, I best not. Um, I don't want to be that cheeky. But maybe if they thought they were calling a bank, I could have said, oh, look, I can give you a balance. For some reason, you've got an extra $5,000 in your account.
8: <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't realise that she. Neither of us realised till I gave her the balance that she was in the wrong spot. But uh, oh, wasn't wasn't until she nearly had a heart attack on the phone that I asked a few questions and figured out she called the wrong number.
1: <laughs> well, it happens, doesn't it? Absolutely. All right, mate. Great call. Appreciate it. Have a good day. You see. All the best. Bye bye. Thirteen, twelve, sixty nine. The number. All right, welcome back to the program thirteen twelve sixty nine. The telephone number to have you say, uh, Glenn. Good morning to you, mate. How are you? Oh, can we check the callers, please? Not that hard, David. Good morning. How are you? Why do cows wear bells? Ah, oh, David, you got a joke for me? Tell me, why, why do, do cows... cows wear bells? Uh, I don't know. I might regret this. Why do cows wear bells, David?
12: their horns work.
0: <laughs> Broadcasting live from the Grant Goldman studio, you're listening to Marcus Paul. <laughs> Is
22: that
31: you, Runji? Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's me, Runji, yeah.
1: Yes, Runji, what can I do for you?
31: Oh, how are you, Michael? I love your talking this morning. I listened to your radio station several mornings and... Uh, Thank you. Just just, yeah, just heard... Uh, the Indian guy, Kumar, yeah. he ring the wrong number. He's supposed to call AMP, I think. It he happens.
1: It happens. That's okay. Yeah. It, it was an, an honest mistake. I my I was probably more um, guilty by the fact that the poor bloke was stuck on hold for about 20-odd minutes.
31: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I just wanted to talk about I am uh, Chinese. Right and uh, and uh, when you ask his name Kuma and uh, you ask him are you uh in India and uh, he said, yes.
1: Well, he didn't actually answer me. Um, that was the thing. I and that's when I think he realised it might have clicked. Um, uh, maybe he's got the wrong number. I don't know. Um, what? So you said you you're Chinese?
31: Yeah, I'm a Chinese, but uh, I think Australia is a multicultural country and i love to stay here and uh, oh, good on you, because uh, because a lot of view is from maybe from your view. i know you are good good hurt you are not supposed to ask him are you uh, in india but uh, i mean some people are very sensitive sensitive some people are very sensitive but uh well, the uh, reason no. I asked, uh, yeah, 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 I normally
1: yeah. wouldn't. The reason I asked was because of uh, I was a bit concerned about the pronunciation, and that's why I did ask. Uh, look, I, I don't know. Um, do people get offended if you ask if they're Indian, if you ask if they're Chinese? Couldn't give a rat's. Uh, it's a simple question. It's not, meant, it's not a trick question. It's not an awful question. It's not an offensive question. If you're Chinese and you're asked if you're Chinese, how the hell could you be offended if you are? If you're not... How the hell could you be offended if you're not? I don't get that. Um, Anyway, give us a call, 13 12 69, the telephone number, if you'd like to have you say Marcus Paul in the morning.
0: Australia's only contemporary news talk radio program. All the news and your views. Marcus Paul in the morning. All
1: right, well, I see that Anthony wants that earlier email that I received to be put up on our page. We'll do that. Just go to 2smsupernetwork.com and click on Marcus Paul in the morning. Just give me um, half an hour or so, Anthony, okay, and I'll put it up. It was a really good note, a really, really good email. Um, Hey, Joker, the difference between cigarettes and alcohol is that we have a choice if we want to take the risks. It sounds like the government is willing to sacrifice certain lives in order to take control. Wartime stuff, that. Be a shepherd, not a sheep, says Rockefeller. No, I'll be a Marcus, not a moron, thanks, Rockefeller. Right to freedom and making your own decisions. They're asking you to get a a jab and perhaps put on a mask, Rockefeller. They're not asking you to listen to Britney Spears or, God forbid, Nickelback. Rod G'day Rod Rod's listening to us in Newcastle Thank you for your your email Rod He goes on to say Go Marcus Loving it Loving your rebuttal of the rednecks The conspiracy theories The anti-vac mob These clowns Should be off practicing their banjo playing In case there's a sequel of Deliverance (laughs) That's gold I look forward to hearing you do your stuff each day It's wonderful stimulating entertainment Regards Rod in Newcastle We'll pass it on Rod I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thirteen twelve sixty nine the telephone number. Julie, good morning. How are you, Jules? Oh shoot me now. Uh, all right, Julie's not there. Thirteen twelve sixty nine is the telephone number. Emails MP in the morning at two sm supernetwork.com if you'd like to have your say. couple of emails coming through and we appreciate them. Uh, this one from Ronnie. Uh, Marcus, I'm totally over all these duds calling or messaging you saying you are a lefty. <laughs> Whatever that means. Personally, I find you um, intelligent, knowledgeable. It's refreshing to listen to a talkback host that knows what they are talking about. Well, thank you. I try. Um, all right. Thank you so much. Uh, he says that I'm the real deal and stay safe. Regards, Ronnie Ross. Well, Ronnie, that's very kind of you. Um, Now, for those, again, that need to be educated on the terms lefty, right, etc., I'm going to hand it over to
0: my good mates, Jordan Shanks. Just to go through this one more time, anyone who uses dumb, broad buzzwords like left, right, progressive, conservative, instantly categorise them as moron. What do you mean by lefty? Could you mean that I'm opposed to the idea of Australia's unique ecosystems being needlessly destroyed so foreign agribusiness companies can suck our wealth out of our country to make an abstract figure in a Cayman Island bank account go?
1: Yeah, exactly. If you're a, not a fan of MERS Global Investments business model specifically. <laughs> I only remember that because that was a shellacking I got from Jordan when I made the mistake a couple of years ago of calling him a lefty. And I shouldn't have done it, and I learnt. Uh, And I kind of woke up and then decided I'd do a bit more research and understand issues from maybe just one side of things. 13 12 69, the telephone number. Judith O'Brien, the subject is happy. Hi, Marcus. Why can't you listen to what so many are saying, please? We just want a feel-good, entertaining show. A feel good entertaining show. You're telling me you're not entertained, Judith? Gee, really? You want a feel good entertaining show? Stop freaking Kyle and Jackie O, you know, for goodness sake. I mean, what on earth are you going on about? Anyway, I'll try. I'll try tomorrow, just for you, Judith. I'll try and provide you with a feel good entertaining show. Okay, we can talk about the latest celebrity hookups. If you want, we can perhaps, I don't know, get somebody in to talk about the last time they were drunk down at the pub. I don't know. Should we get somebody on and talk about space?
29: One more drink, or one more Bacardi, one more dance at this after party. We're still going, going strong, going, going strong. So fast like a Ferrari We get wilder like on Safari We still going, going strong And all of these good things Good things, good things All we need, good things Good things, good things sunrise we are we are in a zone 5 a.m we still are rolling in the deepest of my emotions we are we are in a zone and all of these good things good things good things all we need good things good things good things now we go on.
1: Marcus Paul in the morning, 13, 12, 69. All right, I said I'd finish the program today playing this, but before I just want to read out an email that's come through from Dave Clark. This morning I rang Marcus to challenge him on a comment he made on air yesterday where he called me and others redneck racist because we disagreed with his opinions on changing the Australian flag. Now I was clear and concise and very diplomatic etc and I proceeded to tell him I was born in 1968 and the Aboriginal flag was designed and released in 1971. Uh, You go on and on and on and on in this email. The truth is, Marcus Paul isn't even a second-rate broadcaster, and if you don't subscribe to his beliefs and opinions, he simply cuts you off and belittles you without you being able to defend yourself or express an alternative opinion. Well, I suppose you could go to Ray Hadley. Ray never does that. Good luck, Dave. Why don't you go and have a chat to your mate Ray? I know that you prefer GB anyway. Aren't you the bloke that set up the... 2GB fan page, yet you've wandered up the dial and thought you'd give us a trial, and you're upset. Now, again, if I listen back to the tape, Dave, you started off very combative, and I was referring to an email yesterday that somebody had a crack at me saying, oh, just because I disagreed that you didn't like the Australian anthem, etc., or the flag, that... um, well, I don't know. I've had a look at your profile picture, Dave. You look pretty much like a redneck to Tonight's me, to be, fair, to be honest. Tonight's
9: performed by Olivia Fox, a proud Wiradjuri woman and student of Newtown Performing
1: Arts High School. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow morning. You too, Dave. I know you were listening.